Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Welcome to Cruel Classics. I'm your host, Superfan Giovanni. This is the podcast where we play the best moments, highlights, and fan-selected clips from all 14 going on 15 years of the Adam Carolla Show. If you can't get enough of this podcast, there's a separate podcast feed titled Cruel Classics. Make sure to subscribe. There's a bonus episode that airs every Sunday. And if you'd like to watch some of these clips, we also have a YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash at Adam Carolla Corner, C-O-R-N-E-R. Subscribe, watch videos. It's a blast. And if you'd like to request a clip to be played on the show, please email us at classics at adamcarolla.com. You'll email it, I'll find it, we'll play it, everybody will enjoy. Let's get started with the clips today. Coming up first, we have Adam Carolla Show, episode 10, featuring Jamie Kennedy. This one's from March of 2009. The podcast this time is just getting rolling. Everything's kind of uh, on the fly. We're figuring it out. Huge download numbers are coming in. Everybody's perplexed and bewildered and like uh, kind of buzzing about the energy of this new medium. And uh, this thing that they didn't quite understand was going to be the successful, this pirate ship. Jamie Kenny making his first appearance on the podcast after several appearances on Loveline, promoting Scream, Scream 2, Jamie Kenny Experiment. Uh, continued even guest on Loveline after Adam's departure, even bringing his then-girlfriend Love Hugh at the time with many famous stories uh, about that from uh, Anderson and the crew who stuck around at Loveline after Adam departed. He even came on the Adam Carolla Morning Show in 2006 with Stu Stone to promote their lost MTV series. Hope you guys enjoy. Get it on, everybody. And uh, by the way, quickly before, it's good that Jamie Kennedy's making some popping on the mic because I know I know we have some sound issues. We're straightening them out. I've ordered a mixer. We're moving as fast as we can. We didn't know this thing was going to blow up as fast as it did, so we're trying to keep with you, everyone. So bear with us. Jamie Kennedy is yeah. with us this evening. I'm fascinated by this whole thing. Yeah, I am too. I, I mean, like, literally, just, I mean, do they hear us or are they seeing us or both? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I think whoever's they're just us. hearing us, well, because he's just got the video right on. now. Right. I'm in Adam's upper room, which, by the way, this house is huge. Thank you. Maybe, I, should I get in the radio and quit in yeah. front of the camera? I would, I would <laughs> recommend anyone within the sound of my voice to get in the radio. Jeez, I mean... It is an it is an awesome business. But I can see you're I'm you are friendly with a hammer though because there's a lot of construction that you did yourself. I yes, think. yes, I definitely. You am. are like your character in the hammer. Yeah, yeah, I, I was a carpenter, and you know it's weird. You probably know this, but once you get into comedy, you can officially do nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so when people start laughing, you know they go they go uh, who put up that shed? And you go I did, and they go get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Hey, and can you, you go, say you can say shit? You can say you can say whatever you want. Uh, and then you go and then you go, I did, and they go, Oh, you're so funny. And you think w- do you immediately just turn into a retarded American the second you turn to comedy? Yeah, people and, don't take you seriously. And what is and by the way, do you have a skill? Um <laughs> See, this is the problem. Wait, give me a skill. Well, I'm smarter than people think if that's a skill, but No. Let me see. 
Um, what did you do? What were some of your jobs? I was I was big pizza deliverer. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I used to paint fences. Uh-huh. I used to be a massage therapist assistant. Really? It sounds weird. How's that work? Cause you, I Hand like, me the lotion? Yeah, you know, I'd get all the lotions ready, get the candles ready, get the room, then when she was done, clean the sheets, put them in. Really? That, that type of thing. Hey, can I ask you this about massages yeah. and, and, you know, etiquette and that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, first off, what percentage of guys get a boner when they're getting massaged? Because I can't enjoy a massage because all I can do is think about Nazis and my grandparents raping each other so that I don't get an erection. Because you're nude, you're on your belly, you're being oiled down, yeah. Enya's playing in the background, yeah. and you know in 18 minutes someone's going to go, could you flip over for me now? Yeah. And when's the last time you've been nude, on your belly, fully awake, and being rubbed, having oil rubbed into you without an erection? I would say... If you go to the public places like a Burke Williams, right, or you go to the sports club and you get it done there, it's easier for you to get that massage because that way you're not really, you know, you're. It would be kind of a crime if you did something. But there. tell that to your penis. Your penis is another thing. Your penis is a dog that hears a can opener in the distance and thinks. It's time to eat. Yeah, I, I, you're your right. Your penis doesn't know. Your penis is hooked up to the reptilian part of your brain. Totally. Not, not the part of your brain that understands iPods and Twitter and cable and satellite. It's the part that's like wants to eat meat and, and smash men with the bone. 100%. And so when all your, all your penis knows is that there's hands upon you. Yeah. There's a scent. There's the, uh, faint scent of lavender in the air yeah. you're being rubbed 10 ways to sunday yeah. your penis doesn't know not to get an erection no it doesn't in fact i had this discussion with my friend who's a therapist mm-hmm. and is that me i'm not trying to make any noise yeah stop throwing what am that. i doing i don't know you throw, yeah, maybe that's it yeah stop okay. playing with I'm the not cord touch the cord that's it uh, and i have that's the second time i've heard reptilian in 3 days uh-huh. and he was saying this uh-huh. and then his 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 wife is a, th- a therapist and she woman well, she said the same thing men are hardwired differently and we 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 see and we want to fuck and right. listen to this i get in trouble when i am you know with my girl because if i my head might look at somebody coming in the room that's a girl and i don't even know i'm doing it Right. And that's reptilian. You right. You can't control. You just look for a second. That's total scent, right? You're a humper and gatherer. Yeah, that's what we are. I, I agree. And, you know, for women, by the way, the day your man stops doing that is the day he's dead anyway. Yeah. You know so do you really want to take that out? I mean, that that head on a swivel thing, It's the, look, it's the same thing. You know, it's like a cat can be declawed, can live at uh, Zsa, Zsa Gabor's mansion for 10 years, can be fed steak tartare. But when a grasshopper goes by the window, it's going to paw at it. Yeah. It's not hungry. Yeah. It doesn't want to eat the grasshopper. Yeah. It's reflective yeah. or reflexive or whatever it is. It can't stop doing it. It's reflex. That's what I'm saying. It is. It's air. You look. doesn't right. mean you're going to do anything. You just – I don't even know. In fact, I have come to the point where I kind of hold my face. Or if I walk into a room, I know it's going to be intense. I just kind of look up. I look up. Well <laughs> – You don't want to turn your head. So the, the point is is – do most guys, like when you were working as a massage therapist, oh, prep, getting back to that, sous chef, boner? Yeah. Do I wasn't really ch- checking out. I would say a lot of them didn't, or if they did, I wasn't really in there for the boner. 
have section. You... I was pre and post, mm-hmm. but I definitely think like, uh, yeah, when you're getting mas- when I go to get a massage at Koreatown, you know, there's older Asian women, and I don't really get the boner. Right. But you know, you could if you kind of let yourself go. Listen, it, all you need is a little pressure up against your junk to yeah, get a boner. Yeah. I mean, it when does... they when they go inner thigh, that yeah. gets dicey. Literally just lying on your belly and yeah. feeling a piece of plywood push through three quarters of an inch of foam rubber yeah. can give you a boner. You're true about that. And 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 did I I I would she would say that most guys did get boners. Yes. Really? Yes. But this was a pretty person. So yeah. you know what I mean? And I don't know if she was doing the old, you know, release at the end. I wonder you know, I wonder like if you're a massage therapist and you start off in your twenties and you're young and you're hot and you're nubile and three quarters of the guys who roll in through, through there get a boner. When you, you flip them over twenty minutes in, and there's wood there, mm. I, I wonder if somewhere around your forties or your fifties, you've crapped out a couple of kids, you hit menopause, you got that mustache, you're bleaching it, but you're not fooling anyone. You just look like Nick Nolte from the deep. And guys stop getting boners. I wonder if that's a horrible wake up call. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if a female massage therapist, if she stayed in the game for 30 years, she could go, I remember when almost every guy I had had wood when he turned over. Now, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to you might want to hang up your oil at it's, that point. It, it's time. It's it's time <laughs> that you it's time to uh, hang up the uh, the carnauba wax the or, carnauba, the, exactly. or whatever it is you use. I don't know. It was pretty much just oil. It's like <laughs> hand in your Enya CD. Yeah. It's hand- over. <laughs> Game over. Game over, sweetie. Yeah. Um, yeah. The I'm back- trying to get away from this cord. All right. Did you hear that? Yeah, that's better. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all you got to do is not hit the cord. I'm not having hit the cord. All right. That's good. All right. Look. Yeah. Who's hitting the cord? Nobody's hitting the cord. Who's hitting the cord? Nobody's hitting the cord. By the way, just for everyone listening out there, I'm sitting in Adam Carolla's mansion. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in these beautiful kind of captain chairs. Leather chairs. Beautiful red. Much better than the ones at KLSX. Yes, thank you. And um, But I have these nice headphones on that are very comfortable, yeah. but the cord is rubbing. Well, we'll 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 get the cord. We'll get the cord figured out. Over I, here. You know what the key, the key to the cord is, Jamie? Hmm. Movement. Don't <laughs> Well, I get animated when I talk. Well, yeah, you know what you have to do? Pretend you're standing in front of a snake. I'm not going to... I can't even do that. Pretend there's a cobra in front of you. And just don't move. You don't don't move. It's hard for me to actually talk in exciting stories and not move, but all right. Well, this will be your challenge. This is a good challenge. It's it's weird not seeing Teresa Strasser here. I know. Is it... Do you want to bring those peeps back? Well, I don't know what the plan is yet. I do know the plan is to do this for free, get it big audience, big big audiences we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just shut the cell phone off. Okay. Speaking of uh, audio, get all our crap figured out. We'll probably move to some studio like my warehouse and get it all worked out, and then see where we go from there. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about this. It's a it's a new frontier. Uh, my buddy Donnie, who sits before you. He convinced me to do this when I f- realized I was going to get shit-canned over at uh, Kalis X, and it was the best decision of his life. I had no idea. Like, if you would have told me... You didn't know about podcasts. I'd heard the term. Mm-hmm. If you would have said to me, how many people do you think will tune in your podcast, I probably would have said, I don't know, 2,000, 3,000, or something like that. I, I, I had no idea about the technology. It's been overwhelming. 
So now we have to try to catch up to this thing that we started. How do you get, how do you promote it? Did you tell them on the radio that you were going to do it? I said it on the radio, but I probably, you know, I said it a handful of times. But keep in mind, we weren't leaving for a month. We had two days. I know. So I don't understand how you have the huge, how did they know to find you? Um, I think the one great thing about the internet is the complete viral nature of it and people sharing stuff. And, you know, obviously, if you went over here and shit on a coffee table and uh, I got underneath it and Donnie filmed it on his cell phone mm. and we threw it up on the internet, it'd probably be in about 10 million households in, in the next 10 minutes. I mean, that's that's the way the internet works. Yeah. So if you have a product and it's good or you're shitting on a glass coffee table, it will end up at in people's iPods, it'll end up in people's computers, it'll get spread around, and that's what's happened. This is amazing. I mean, and you have, the, you're the most downloaded guy. Yeah, but again, it doesn't mean that much because it's it's such a, it's in its infancy, this technology, or I don't say infancy, maybe it's a toddler now, but either way, it's not the wave of the future. I, I It is the wave it of the future, the wave but of the it's, future. Not, it's not here yet, and I think it's going to get here real soon, and yeah. I really... I really do think it's going to be the same thing that people do with music. The, all the big stores that took up the city blocks and took up the corners of valuable real estate on Ventura Boulevard, all gone now because people just go to the computer and buy what they want. It's crazy. And uh, like I was telling everyone, Donnie over here, when uh, about 19, what do you think it was, 85, Donnie, when you told me water in a can? I can't remember. It might, Don, it might have been 84, 84, 84. Donnie and I used to live together. At a certain point, it became too much for Donnie, and he moved back home. Mm -hmm. And I'm a nice Jewish boy, so. A couple, couple good things. I used to go into Donnie's bedroom at... Uh, Donnie liked to sleep. Like, like on a Sunday morning, if Donnie was partying on a Saturday night, mm -hmm. Donnie could sleep till one thirty or 2 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And he had a small bedroom. He slept up on a loft that I built him. I used to build everyone lofts when I was a carpenter. This is and, when I moved back into my parents' house. Right. This is back into the parents' house. Now, you know that thing where you get drunk and you get stoned, and then at about 2 a.m. you decide it'd be a good idea to have a Tommy's Chili Burger yes. before you go to bed, uh -huh. and then maybe a couple of beers, or, or maybe, Twain's, maybe yeah, go, go down to Twain's, get some, some coffee, some apple pie alamo, and then you have like 13 beers, mm -hmm. and then you go to sleep at like 4 in the morning, well, you're forgetting the bong load before you go to sleep. You rip the bong load before you go to bed. Then you go to bed. Then you have a space heater. Mm -hmm. And the space heater is down on the floor. And Donnie's up on top of the thing. And mm -hmm. the space heater aren't these modern ones that have timers and thermostats and stuff. It's just on or off. Yeah. And, of course, it's the winter and it's freezing. So Donnie turns it on full. But that's at 2, 3 in the morning. And then Donnie goes to bed. Okay. By 1 in the afternoon the next day, it's 94 degrees in there because he won't get off the, the loft to turn the space heater off. And he's been blowing ass farts <laughs> all the so now the room is is the room is oh ten foot by God. ten foot. Yeah, and of course I come over there, you know, on Sunday to go rouse Donnie at one in the afternoon. Open the door, come walking in, and just get this hot wave like somebody took a thousand farts and put it in a balloon and heated it, and then just went. Like I would walk in and just be like, it was like an ass explosion in there. Plus, it was 90 degrees. And it was that fart mixed with the space heater Ooh. when it's winter. 
People don't realize, you know, they think the summer fart is worse. The winter fart is worse because it lingers. It's, it's heated. Mm. Your home, your your <laughs> fart is super heated. It's a heated fart. And the beer too. People beer. You know, people talk a lot about you know eating uh, eating broccoli and kidney beans and stuff like that. Beer very underrated in the fart department. Oh, it's big time. Yeah, big farter. <laughs> yeah. So wait, Donnie. So Donnie turns you on to this. No, Donnie had an invention. Not, oh yeah. Oh, he had water in a can. Water he a said can. water in a can. <laughs> and I said, "Wait a minute, was we this didn't in have your movie?" Yet. No, this. Is, I thought I heard this. before. This is eighty-five, and I said, "Donnie, you're high." And he said, "What else is new?" And I said, "This is the worst idea I've ever heard. No one's going to spend money to buy water. It comes out of your spigot, and you know." Here we are. Wow. 20 years later. I miss that gravy train. Yeah. Water in a can. You, well, you wanted to put it in a can, which yeah. there right are now. companies that do it. But you didn't have plastic bottles then? No, this was in the early 80s. Yeah, the early 80s was all glass. I actually came up with the idea like 79, 80, and I probably, like, when we were living together, it was probably hot. Water in a bottle. Water in a can. Water in a can. Wow. Yeah. So that was his first great one. That, that was Donnie's first great miss, idea. But now... Oh, damn, I can't remember. And now, <laughs> Donnie says, Donnie says podcast. Yeah, Donnie says podcast, and this time he's going to cash in. So Donnie's been over here every single day doing the tech, um, doing it pro bono. But, but how's it work? You put it up? Donnie, Donnie how do you do it? I want to learn, and I'm pe- sure people want to learn. It's it's like an old-fashioned thing. Remember back in the day, everybody record on a cassette tape? Yeah. It, the principle's pretty much the same. All you're doing is recording, but the internet part, sending it up and loading it up, that's that's the space age part. And you put it on iTunes. Yeah. Well, Mike Chaffee does. Mike Chaffee handles all the uploading and all the computer technical oh. s- stuff. And okay. it goes to iTunes, but it goes to a bunch of other places, too. Yeah, well, on our the adamcarolla.com website, you can download it from there. Right. Or you can get it from iTunes. All right. Wow. Well, let's focus on our guest for one uh, second. I'm fascinated. Uh, enough about uh, this and us and me. So where did you grow up? I don't know your full story. I don't know how it all came to be. God, you, I've been on your show a lot. Let me see. I grew up in Philly. Uh-huh. I'm from Philly, and I came out here when I was... 18. To act? Uh, to be an extra. Uh-huh. In what? Professional extra. I was... I... A movie came to Philly. Actually, Delaware. Uh-huh. Called Dead Poet Society. Oh, yeah. Sure. Robin and, Williams. Yeah, it was Robin Williams. And I was delivering pizzas at Domino's. Right. And I was in high school, and I was taking a local acting class. Uh-huh. And the teacher said, you know, I was a pretty good actor. And she said, you know, there's a movie coming... And I think I can get you an extra. And I didn't know what that was. Right. So an extra is, you know, for those listening or people that are fill out the scenes. You know, they actually, if you want to get artsy with it, they call it atmosphere. Right. You know. It's the people in the restaurant, at the restaurant scene, who aren't really talking, but their mouth is moving their mouth is on moving. the table behind whoever the stars are. Yes. They're doing all that. They're filling up. Right. And so I go down there and... I get in, and they said, oh, you look good. You could be a schoolboy. Mm-hmm. Let's cut your hair. And usually, I, at that point, I've never done anything but pay for a haircut. Right. And they're like, I'm going to give you a haircut. And this lady comes over and cuts my hair. And it was all beautiful and coiffed. And they go, here, here's breakfast. And you're like, I'm getting my hair cut for free. I'm, I'm getting free get, eggs. Yeah, I'm getting free eggs. And it was like 60 bucks a day. 
Right. And they were like, yeah, you look good. We're going to move you into the scene. And the next thing I know, I'm in a scene with Robin Williams and Robert Sean Leonard and Ethan Hawke and all those guys were there. Right. And I was with a group of guys who were kind of standing over in the movie theater by the popcorn machine. Right. But I was actually put in a group. And I was like, what do I do? And they go, just act like you're talking. Right. And, you, and so, of course, when I started, I started going, so, hey, what are you guys doing? And they had to cut. Right. And then Peter Weir's like, you, you know, you're talking. Man. You don't want to talk. Just move your mouth. Down your mouth. And then that's how it started. And, and I, boom. I, I could remember, because it's funny, because I got a job as a stand-in. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is the greatest fucking gig in the world. Amazing. They pay you. They give you meal penalties if mm-hmm. you go too late. They feed you for free. Mm-hmm. You get to hang out all day and do nothing and get paid. And for those of us who used to do something and get paid, the the first time you get paid to do nothing, no, it's like having a like a, like a twelve hour orgasm. It's <laughs> like I would just be standing around going, you know what I'm doing right now? Nothing. You know what I'm getting paid right now? 120 bucks a day yeah. for this, for nothing. I'm getting paid right now. We'd just be standing off to the side of the set. You'd take a nap. You'd read a magazine. You'd go eat a granola bar. You'd go take a shit. And you'd be like, guess who's getting paid to take a shit? This is awesome. That's what it is. It's and like... I, I'm so... I'm lucky. Like, there was about... And I don't know, Jamie, if you've ever had this, but there was probably... 30 times in my life that somebody could have come down from the heavens with a contract, one of those ones that's like on fire and you sign it with a blood pen, Mm -hmm. and I would have signed, like, I was 29 years old, and if someone would have come down and said, will you sign this contract, you sign this contract, you can be an extra at $120 a day for the rest of your life, I would have been like, give me that. (laughs) You would have signed that. I would, in a I would have been laughing. I would have been signing it, and laughing, going, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." So I can hang around the craft service table mm-hmm. and eat all the trail mix <laughs> I want, all the trail mix. Yeah, and it's 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 going to be no, ten all hour day. M and M's, M and M's, peanut. Hold on, hold on, peanut and regular. Okay, and it's and and then if we go to overtime, I'll get I'll get some extra, I get an extra twenty bucks. <sighs> oh, give me that. And you go in the golden time. Oh, they had all those colors, meal penalties. Meal, it's. I agree with you. It's weird. It's like you do that, and you're so. I was so fulfilled. It was amazing. And then I don't know what happens. So now, ego takes over, right? So you you get you get used to the hot tub known as life, and it's not so warm anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny. I started doing that, so I came out here. Right, started, you came out at eighteen. Came out at eighteen, right after high school. Right after high school. Uh-huh. And I started doing odd jobs, and like, but I was able to work at a Domino's out here. Uh huh. And I'm out there, and 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 I'm doing this stuff, and I'm being an extra. And one day I'm I'm delivering pizzas, and the girl is telling me I'm delivering pizzas. But why do you want to be an extra? And I was like, Why? It's awesome. She's like, You don't want to be an extra. They don't they don't they don't have any respect. Right. You want to be an actor. And I was like, Really? I go, Well, okay, I guess. I thought extras were. You know, right. like acting. I, I mean, I was greener than an avocado. Right. And so then I started taking acting classes out here, and then I started learning. And then I didn't know what talent was or anything, and then the teacher's like, hey, you, you have some talent. And when was <laughs> it, what was the first big break? Probably the first big break. <laughs> now you got to pull the mic away from your mouth a little bit. Uh, the first, I know, I'm hating so much. The first big break was I had... Remember Vance? Well, Vance sneakers. You wear Vance sneakers. Sure. 
So at the time, I was doing like open mic comedy. I discovered that I could do stand up and just start doing this stuff. Somebody saw me and they said, "Hey, I'm doing a thing for El Pollo Loco to test idea. So we're gonna get a video camera and shoot an idea of a test commercial. Mm-hmm. We need ten comedians. I saw you. Brings me down. I think my head's hitting. I can't move. This whole thing is intense. So I do it. I sh- we go down Orange County. They pay us fifty bucks, uh-huh. and I shoot this video. And out of all the guys, they pick me, right? To be yeah, just unstick yourself. That's fine. Donnie tried to stick a tape on there. There it is, right there. All right. And so I get picked. El Pollo Loco it was like called the, the Crazy Chicken. Right. The actual campaign was all about the Crazy Chicken. Even though that's what it's called. Long story short, they didn't use that. But they did another one for Vans sneakers, uh-huh. and the owner—it's one of those things. The owner happened to watch me filming it. He happened to come by the office where these like young kids were filming it. He said, "I love it." She looked at the tape and goes, "That's the guy." So he picks me, right? And I end up filming four commercials for Vans. For Vans, I, I think Vans started out here. By the it way, it started in OC. We filmed them in OC, uh-huh. and it was all they had a deal with MTV where they were going to just. Run them in MTV all the time. Just MTV. I, and yeah. I was on MTV in 93 just the Van Sneaker guy. And I did that. And right. then MTV saw it. And then Lisa Berger, I'm probably, as you know, right. gave me a development deal. And at the time, she had development deals with uh, um, Harlan Williams, Dave Chappelle, and me. And we all got an idea to do like another test pilot. Right. And then from there, I did that. That didn't work, but then... Someone else from Married with Children saw my test pilot, Jessica Hahn, and she had broken up with Howard Stern and was dating Ron Levitt. Jessica Hahn discovered you? <laughs> she kind of did. I go in, I do, I do Married with Children, I get one spot, and she goes, I played a stoner, my hair is really long, and she's like, Ron, this guy is a great stoner. He is a great stoner. And he goes, yeah, I believe him. And so she brought me back, and my one spot ended up like being five spots. Did, did Jessica Hahn die or evaporate? Or I don't... She, did, where did she go? She had gone from, I think, Howard or with Sam Kinison, and then she went to Ron. She must have married someone who's rich. Ron she's a must born be again rich. Christian. Oh, she did? <laughs> no, I'm joking. She you might, take everything so serious. She, I, well, first off, Don, you, never you, know. you make two and a half jokes a millennium for, <laughs> for number one. He never makes a joke. Number two, it's perfect for her to go born again. She started off in the church, right? Yeah, no, she charted off with Coke. Usually, if you do coke, I'm not sure. Don't if Jessica, if you're hearing this, I'm not sure. But I thought that she was down, with, you know, with coke and stuff. But wait a minute, didn't she get her start by having? A, oh, she had a church. Yeah, she had a a, a Jimmy Swagger. I think. Oh no, <laughs> are you gonna Google this? Yeah, I gotta figure it out. Was I don't think it was Swagger was the other guy. It was whatever she did. She did something. Right. And then she hung with rockers. Right. And then she. I thought that she was like a, a rocker chick. So usually those chicks become reformed, right? All right. So the point the point is, and, and by the way, your Vans story reminds me of a story because my buddy, John, worked at the Vans on Laurel Canyon. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah, the little one. Where's the first, that one? The first Vans. One of the first Vans stores around. The little, little shack. Jack in the box. Little shack on Laurel Canyon. And he worked there. And while he was working there, he got robbed. He got tied up. He got put in the back. And uh, he was a good friend of mine. And I said to him, uh, hey, John, what happened? And he said, a black dude came in here. He asked if we carried Nikes. I said no. Then he pulled out a gun and he locked, he tied me up in the back. And 
I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I was in the van store. It was about two weeks after he got robbed and, and, and shackled up in the back and everything. And I was just standing. It was just me and him standing in this little van store. And it was at night. And a black dude walked right through the door. And he's like, you got Nikes? And I literally almost did a shoulder roll through the window. And I I, I just stood there like, holy fuck, we're being robbed. And he, and uh, and my buddy John was like, uh, 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 no. And the guy stood there for a beat, and he kind of looked at both of us. He just turned and walked walked out of the place. Now, I don't know if he was planning on robbing it and saw maybe two. I was a big guy back then. It was like two two big guys standing there mm-hmm. and decided, screw it. Or there was just a wild coincidence. Or black guys stop every 10 feet and go into stores and ask if they have Nikes, whether they have Nikes or not. I don't know what the situation was, but it was really, it was literally like he just got done telling me what happened. And a guy from Central Casting, like huge black man, came in and said, like, do you have Nikes? And it was like... You thought it was going to be reenactment again. I was getting the duct tape and handing it to him, going, here you go. And he's turned around and left. Oh, that's, that is hilarious. That's my only van story. <laughs> did, did, hey, Donnie, did you figure out what happened to Jessica Hahn? Well, on Wikipedia, it said uh, she did The Wild Thing in 1988. She did live appearances on Howard Stern, and she lives in Beverly Hills. So she married a rich guy and is just laying uh, low. Well, her long-time bo- boyfriend passed away February 10th, 2008. Yeah, that's Ron Levitt. Oh, okay. God bless him. That so was what, what, what was your first movie? First movie was Romeo and Juliet. Oh, the uh, the, the DiCaprio one. one? Rose Leo, yeah. Wow, I you say a, Leo. Leo. Well, I mean, yeah, he's kind of Leo, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that was not his first movie, but it was amongst his first movie? Everybody knows him as Leo. All right, he's let's, Leo. Let's not dwell. <laughs> the point is, is did you know that this guy was going to be this guy at that point? Uh yeah, I mean, I, I I did because I was filming that movie and I saw what was happening, the phenomenon of what was happening. Right. We were well, because at that, I mean, he had done Basketball by Diaries. He had done Gilbert Grape. He was nominated. He was oh very yeah, young. Yeah, he, he was done, great in that. He did This Boy's Life, and then when we were in Mexico, he was like Romeo, and we filmed in the middle of Mexico City. You got to put that cord down. I, I'm not touching anything. There you go. It will You're make noise now. this way. Now. No, no, it won't. Well, and, it'll be fine. And so... Oh, Don't make it make noise. Okay, well, it, he He was basically, like, you know, becoming, like, the Beatles down there. I mean, like, he was this, you know, beautiful blonde-haired kid in the middle of Mexico City. And we'd film these scenes in the middle of Mexico City. Like, they'd shut down the whole street. Uh-huh. Like, they'd shut down Wilshire Boulevard. And can you imagine right. if you're doing a scene with Brad Pitt or someone? And right. that's what it was. And people were like, who is this... Blonde haired, you know, God. And we had swarms of people, and then it slowly started happening, and we'd get followed everywhere. I don't know if you can go to Mexico anymore. You know what's funny? Long switch. I was going to go to Cabo. Yeah. And someone's like, don't. You're going to get murdered. Yeah. Am I going to get murdered in Cabo? I don't know. have pictures of John Mayer and Jennifer Aniston. Is that, I'm going to get murdered in Cabo? I, I just ran into, by the way, uh, you want to feel old, I was talking to a bunch of kids in uh, business school at USC, at the Marshall School of Business at USC, yesterday evening, and one of them came up and is the nephew of a guy I used to work construction with, and he was reminding me, his 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 uncle was telling him these stories about how me and his uncle and a whole bunch of other dudes, this is how it used to be in Mexico, by the way. We would meet at a Denny's in Topanga, 
in Topanga Canyon mm-hmm. uh, off of Ventura Boulevard. Mm-hmm. We'd meet there at like 4 a.m. We do this once a year. There'd be five pickup trucks, just F two fifty Fords with long beds and you know and, and lift kits and all the crap, you know, lumber rack and the whole thing. We'd go there, be about five trucks, there'd be surfboards, there'd be sleeping bags, there'd be uh, you know, booze, there'd be everything we're all loaded into the truck and we just start driving for Tijuana. <laughs> we get to Tijuana, you pass through the border, you drive to Tijuana, you go through Ensenada and Encinitas and all that crap and Rosarita, and then you just start driving, and eventually you're just on a dirt road that's going along the side of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And it's it's really, it's it's like a beer commercial, and at a certain point you find a part of the road that sort of goes down to the sand, all the trucks just pull off down to the sand, and somewhere along the way you buy a bunch of fireworks and 10 cases of beer and a bunch of tequila, and you're literally sitting in the back of a pickup truck lighting M80s off a cigarette and throwing them at the truck that's behind you in this five-truck caravan. Pull down, go down to the sand, everyone gets loaded, gets naked, gets on a surfboard, and just goes and surfs and have dirt bikes and stuff. No permits, no discussions, no nothing. Just hop on your 250, start doing laps through the desert when you're done with that. Chug a beer, get on a surfboard, go paddle out, hang out for about three days, just getting loaded, mm. blowing stuff up. Mm. I had a nice sombrero. One of my buddy Chris said, hey, what's your sombrero doing over there? I started walking toward it. It blew up. They put it an M80 <laughs> under it. And it blew, like out of, a mo- out of a cartoon, blew a hole in it that got black. And I wore it for the rest of the time with this hat that had a hole blown into it, like a cartoon hole blown. Like the whole top of it was just blown off and black blackened and charred but that's what we used to do just Mm -hmm. sleep sleep right on the beach now it's all these drug lords have taken over they're battling the corrupt cops the whole place is a mess and by the way if anyone wants to know why we need to beef up the border isn't that enough right there i think so The, the, the country is going into civil war I mean, they're really going at it the cops are going at it with the drug runners uh and so many cops are corrupt over there yeah. that they don't know what to do. And I don't know what the hell. We, I, I've, I've said it a thousand times. I've, I kidded about it for the last 20 years, but now I'm fucking serious. Can we get some Jews over there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's clear Mexi- Mexicans can't run a country. That's obvious. Gonna get some Jews. Jews can't can't cook. Jews. Let's get the Jews seriously. Like, let me just ask you this. Let me, That's true. Let, let me let me let me just That's everyone just listen listen to me. Israel clearly not working out. Yeah, the Palestinians hate Jews. Yeah, I mean, you know, they make a thousand excuses and a thousand reasons. They're anti Semites. They hate Jews. Yeah, fine. Yeah, so be it. Yeah, Mexico is corrupt. Yeah. They can't balance their books or their no. budget. They can't govern themselves no. over there. It's the Wild West, and I'm telling you, what they're missing is Jews. Some good Jews. They need a couple of good Jews. Yeah. They have all the man- organizers. Yes, they have a ton thinkers. Of- yes, they yes. have. They need someone with a fucking abacus over yes. there to get some their accountants. Shit also, I'm not saying all Jews are accountants. No, only but like, I, what I eighty percent of them are, but not all. John, of them. can I say that Jews are good with money? Can, yes, D- Donnie, Donnie, say that. 
I can say that. Yes. I mean, you and I are goyish. Yes. Start with uh, Baja, which is almost the same size as Israel. You people love your desert. There's your goddamn desert. You could take – you guys could be running that thing in in about – Eight months, they could be running Mexico. Right. So you could take. I know where you're going. No. So you make we, Israel Mexico Israel. Yeah. You want to battle your Israel. You want to battle it out with the crazy Shiites for the rest of your fucking life, no. or do you want to move to a place where the we still have is to cold? have something to argue about, though. What could we argue about in Mexico? It's true. You it's get all the Israels to move to Baja. By the way, you got a great ocean. It's the same terrain. Yeah. I, I really mean it. Like if you if you if you spun somebody around and put them in the wayback machine and popped them on a beach in or a lump of desert in Israel versus a lump of desert, and, and it's probably the same average temperature. Probably gets about the same rainfall. The water's probably the same temperature. I don't know that much about Israel, but it seems to be about the same as as Baja. Uh, if anything, Baja is probably a little better. Better fishing. Yeah. You never hear about people going to Israel to fish. Never. Where are you going with that tackle box, Israel? Where are you going after, Big Mouth? I'm going after I'm going after Amberjack, Striper, and Big Mouth. <laughs> you never hear anyone going on a fishing trip. No, no, no. Go crack a few cold ones. Go, go down to go down to Israel. <laughs> They're biting this time of year. Got to get up early. No. Get all the crazy Jews that are in Israel that are pounding it out with the goddamn Palestinians. Move out, by the way. And believe me, within 10 minutes, the Palestinians would be kicking the shit out of each other. They love to fight. That's all they want is a fight. Obviously, they love to fight. You know how you can tell they love to fight? They're in fights all the fucking time. It's like your friend. We all had that friend in high school. He never wanted any trouble. But every weekend... Guess who found trouble? He was fighting. He likes to fight. Yeah, that part of the that part of that region of the world, they like to go at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they like to go at it. It's it's the difference in breeds and dogs. Mm-hmm. Labradors don't like to go at it. Pit bulls like to go at it, yeah. and they do that thing where they're like, "Well, not." And every fucking half a fag has to come up to me and go, "Well, not every pit bull." I know not every pit bull, but in general, pit bulls like to go at it. In labs. Don't like to go at it. Yeah. All right. It's in their nature. Right. This is a whole group of Labradors that were dropped off in a region of pit bulls. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Take your goddamn three inches of topsoil and move the fuck to Baja. Yeah, I buy. That's a good idea. I what's I like? At what point does the land not become sacred? Like, really? Could we just skim off six inches of topsoil and go drop drop it off? And Donnie, I hate to blame your people, but here's the deal: your people are smart. Yeah, but you're that, dealing, we started there, though. I, I don't give a shit. You're dealing with retards. You're dealing with cave people it's over there, and you digital. guys are smart. Look, this is like this is like if you bought an apartment building, and then the whole neighborhood got filled with gangbangers, and you said, I don't care. I was here first. Fuck that. Move Beverly well, Hills adjacent. Do you know what it is? New York back in the day. I'm not Jewish, but I'm tell me if I'm making this up, but it's it's Jewish pride. Of course. They don't want to say, hey. You're taking because you know I'm not Jewish again, so I'm only speaking from the Goyish opinion. But Jews have been kicked around, sure, since the beginning of time. So yes. they feel that that's their last bastion. We have our right. Bible. The Bible's like some kind of instruction manual, and it says that's the spot. I, yeah, I don't know right. What to say. Now it's, give it brain up. Brain is stuck. Brain yeah. is lost. Me- meanwhile, you can't go out for a slice of pizza without worrying about being blown but you, up. You, but it's bigger than that. You have to remember, after the Holocaust, the Jews had nowhere to go. Everybody threw them in Israel, and then the Arabs lost their mind. Right. 
they're overloading the Jews. Let, let those spot. nut jobs kill each other over there. I'm telling you, if the Jews cleared out for for a long weekend, they would just start turning on each other. The Palestinians and the Arabs would just start kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad idea. It's closer to America too. Baja's right next door. We could always trade. Use, we could use some Jews. And there's not one deli in Mexico in here. I've never found <laughs> one deli. Point. You can't get a decent you brisket. There, so you, <laughs> no, you can't I, get a brisket. <laughs> there's no place to nosh in in Mexico. No you guys nosh. bring that. Before you know it, <laughs> by the way, how long before the first Jewish coyote popped up? The guy <laughs> moving the people. He's got the Jews for Jesus van. He's got 30 Mexicans stuffed in the back of it, 2500 bucks a head. He's moving them across the border. You know there'd be one bad Jew that turned into a coyote. <laughs> There's always one bad It's apple. Seth, the coyote. <laughs> all right all i'm saying is is can we get not can, bad idea i don't know if you know people in israel i don't know if you have family over there i don't know what you got to do why don't you twitter some of your jew friends in israel and tell them fly on out to baja just check it out go out to baja lay down stakes they got a lot of open land over there and again a government that needs jews i was just telling i was just telling uh somebody at dinner we uh, at lunch today. We we're talking about uh, Silver Lake out here. Yeah, and I was saying, I was saying, my sister bought a house over there for like a hundred and ten thousand dollars, like like eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, "What the fuck?" And I said, "No, seriously, I put the down payment down. I know how much it was." And they said, "Well, what happened? Why why is every house over there a million bucks now?" And I said, "The fags. They got the fags." <laughs> Hey, that the area fags is a moved mess. in. It was, it was nothing. Here's the point. It's clean as a whistle We now. need a nice... You either better get some Jews or some gays. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. The gays mm-hmm. moved into Silver Lake. Clean, all of a sudden, the graffiti nice. went away. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the sp- you could eat off the, the uh, yeah. sidewalks. It's, Everything got all cleaned up. Yeah. So, now here's the deal. I don't, I don't think Mexico's got enough Jews or homos. No. And if they do have homos, they're, they're keeping it on the down low. DL. Right. So the point is, is we need, or maybe we just get some gay Jews. I don't know. There oh. seems to be a fair That's amount a good twofer one right there. That's a twofer. That's, That's a twofer. That's a twofer. That's less people you got to move over there. The point is, is imagine, seriously, everyone close your eyes. I'm um, Imagine it. all the shitty war-torn parts of this planet. I'm thinking. Just think about parts of Africa and the Sudan. Think about what's going on in Mexico. Think about all these war-torn parts with all these horrible tribal factions that are going at it and all that stuff. Now picture a whole bunch of Jews and fags moving in to that area. Problem solved? Problem solved. Problem solved. Problem solved. <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> I think problem solved. Problem solved. I think it's there. I, I, it's, you know everybody be talking about them. Going it's going to be organized. It's going to be organized and it's going to be clean. Yes, I mean seriously. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're talking about Baja or the Sudan. Get some Jews and some gays over there, mm-hmm. and let's clean well, it up. Mm-hmm. We should be breeding gays but, right but now. The first thing the Jews want to do, though, is make some money. They don't want to fight or kill. They they want to figure out how to make money with everybody. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. networkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't want to fight. They don't want any trouble. They want to take care of their own. We got to start breeding Jews and gays <laughs> right now, starting today. Donnie, bend over. Donnie. Hey, getting started. Woo! <laughs> Bring some Jews. I didn't know they were going to tail this. All right. Well, that's my master plan. I think it's going to be. And, and, and for those of you who don't like my master plan, here's what I'm saying. 
what what ultimately you know like people call me a racist all the time but the reality is why i uh, thank you You're not a racist. The, 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 the reality is is the best cultures have a mixture of cultures in yeah. there and and right now they're running short on jews in mexico and we should we should flush a few jews over there and really straighten out that economy well, I, I don't think you're a racist. Thank I think you. it's funny that you talk. If you say fag, now are you going to get in trouble for saying that? I have no idea, but this is why I'm on the internet. I don't but care. But the thing is, is that you you don't hate gay people. No. And the thing is, I'm just going to, this is my whole theory. I'm a comedian. How, I should be able to say what the fuck but, I want. But words have been hijacked. Yes. Like, like, I, like I think I talked to you about this. You can't say gay or it's bad. I, I was in the makeup trail the other day. And I was with um, a guy doing my hair, and he's awesome. His name is Gary. I just outed him. Right. And and I go, what the fuck are you doing when you fucking pansy? Playing right. around like right. that. We're talking about something. And he goes, that's not nice, Jamie. And I said, pansy? Everyone's a pansy. Growing up, I said pansy. Yes. I said fag. I said gay bird. Gay bird. But he was like, well, I know, but I could take that the wrong way. Yeah. And I go, just because you happen to be gay doesn't mean that I'm attacking your gayness. Uh, you so, just say gayness, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, look, the, it's the same thing as as the Braves and the Redskins too. I mean, yeah. Look, twisted. we've all become. Oh, all, that's crazy. We've all become politically correct. That's look, retarded. and I know. Listen, I'm a white guy, so I know you and I are white. We've decide. never. Our biggest thing was no. We didn't have enough potatoes in right. the famine. I mean, we really have nothing to complain about. No, we have nothing to complain about. We've never been persecuted. But all I'm saying is, is for the love of Christ, everyone, it's actions. Yeah, it's not words. It's totally agree. It's like if broccoli. Is a bad word. No, it's broccoli. But what's your meaning behind broccoli? Well, it's a vegetable. Am I getting off track? A it's actions. Bit. I'm kind of hungry. No, but it's not. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Yes. Thank you. I, I absolutely look, especially with comedy. If I say I'm going to kill you, yeah. then that is very offensive. If I say, Oh man, I'm going to kill you, then it doesn't mean anything. But so, if you said you were going to kill me, I still wouldn't think you would meant it. Thank you. All right, Jamie, Kenny. Oh, Jamie, before we wrap it up, give a uh, plug. Where are you going to oh, be at? Um, I'm going to Melrose this week. I'm in the Melrose Improv. Two shows, a special night, just Saturday night. And then next weekend, I'm going to be at Irvine, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the OC. Um, but I'm going to tell you guys right now, this is cool. And what people listening don't realize is that, that it, I guess my time's up because it's getting dark. <laughs> and Ad, we're sitting in Adam's room in his big window but it's getting dark and we're kind of doing a podcast in dark it's a little cool it's a little creepy it could get weird yeah we didn't turn the light we on we didn't turn the lights on Don he's just kind of looking at the skyline dreaming of podcast dollars yeah you're here <laughs> I'm seeing a light reflection of you I'm looking at your pictures of you and the wife and I'm gonna say this is awesome I think this is gonna be huge and I'm glad I was one of the first, and um, you know, I I want to come back. Well, from your mouth to uh, God's ears, and uh, with everyone's support. And by the way, I think we're gonna pass two million podcasts this week if you guys keep up what you've been doing. Yeah, and all you podcasters, hit me at Jamie Kennedy backslash Twitter. Is that my Twitter? I'm sure. Yeah, it's my. I'm on Twitter. All right, good times, everyone. Until next time, it's Adam Carolla for Jamie Kennedy and my buddy the Wee's saying mahalo. All right, it was Adam Curl Show, episode 10 with Jamie Kennedy. Coming up next, we have Adam Curl Show, episode 11. Yeah, we got a theme here. This one's with Doug Benson. Also from March of 2009, the very next episode, the exact same en- energy described previously is still flowing freely. Uh, Adam is kind of effervescent with joy uh, underneath the surface because he's kind of 
seeing all these opportunities he has and how he doesn't have to be under somebody's thumb to do what he wants to do in uh, podcasting and broadcasting essentially at the time. Very interesting. Doug Benson on very frequently early on the podcast run on the radio show days was not a Loveline guest. Hope you guys enjoy. Get it on. Get it on. (laughs) Gotta get it on. Doug Benson is with us this evening, this morning, this afternoon. Whenever you're listening, that's the beauty of the podcast. Yeah, listen to it whenever you want. Good to see you, Doug. You too, Adam. It's great to... uh... Have you back on the air. Thanks. Let me uh, brag. And when I say brag, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about all the people that made this show the number one podcast in uh, maybe the world. Certainly, uh, according to iTunes, and certainly nationally, it's the number one. You guys did all the work. We got 2.4 million downloads last week, and that was all you guys. All word of mouth, no advertising. We're not on any big network sites. We don't have anything going for us other than you and you spreading the word and maybe a little something called iTunes. But either way, we're going into our third week. And as far as I can tell, uh, mission accomplished. You guys have done everything. And now we're going to try to step it up on our end. We'll get better equipment. We'll get better guests. I want to apologize in advance for Doug Benson. We're going we're gonna to get into a better studio. We'll start editing. We'll really turn it into a full-fledged show because who the hell knew this many people would be listening? I kid Doug Benson because he's a dear friend and because he's stoned and won't remember any of this. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be fun listening to, the, uh, to my episode to hear what happened. Doug, by the way, you can, can uh, listen to it whenever I want. You can get hold of uh, at uh, MySpace and find out when he's coming to a town near you doing his uh, pot fueled humor. Also, it's interesting, Doug, because you can follow. I think the leader in the clubhouse right now is Dave Damashek with somewhere around 600,000 downloads. But you can follow your progress throughout the week and see who you're doing better than or, you know, did you get more listeners than Joel McHale did? Did Dr. Drew beat uh, Joel McHale? It's really kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. potentially scary. I've never looked at the numbers on my podcasts, so I have no idea how it's doing and who's listening to it. But I figure people must be because they mention it to me. Yeah, if they come up and say something. I mean, ultimately... I did the radio out here for in L.A. for about a year, and every single person I ran into just came up to me and said, what's going on with Loveline? Are you still doing Loveline? And I took that as a bad sign. It's sort of like if you're an auto manufacturer and you never see one of your cars on the road. You, don't, you could go to the office in the corner and look at the sales numbers, but all you have to do is go drive down a freeway and never see one of your cars to know that sales are pretty shitty. Yeah, yeah. And radio is kind of the same way, and this is kind of the same way, which is if nobody says anything to you you know, at the restaurant, at the liquor store, at the mall, wherever you are, your numbers probably aren't that great. Yeah, or you're just hanging out in a spot where, you know, no one would have any reason to to follow you, you know, like you're at some sort of old age home or something. Or Or you're over at the uh, Corolla's house, you're over at my mom's house (laughs) for Thanksgiving. None of those people are interested in you and what you have what you have to say on your podcast. So, Doug, now how often do you do your podcast? Uh, I crank them out at the amazing rate of uh, sometimes two a month. Mm-hmm. 
and it's uh, it's a half hour of just it's just fast paced, uh, just talking about movies. That's the that's the subject every week is movies, and it's uh, I have two different uh, comedian and actor friends of mine from my circle of friends uh, come on each episode. And now that you don't have to get up early, I could ask you to do it because we do it live at the uh, UCB Theater right before Comedy Death Ray, which is a popular show there on Tuesday nights. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I do love movies. I I love making fun of crappy movies more than I really love good movies. But, for instance, I was just watching No Country for Old Men last night, and I thought, why wasn't everyone in this movie nominated? I mean, I... Why didn't it win everything? I, I know Javier Bardem was, but... Not only was the sheriff great, of course, Tommy Lee Jones, but the guy who played his deputy was great, Yeah, too. yeah, that guy's really good. That's the guy that played two different parts on Deadwood, and nobody knows that it was the same guy. Oh, really? Yeah, they're always surprised when I say that, because he's a really great actor. Tommy Lee Jones could have got a nod for that. I don't know if he won anything or got anything for that, but uh, his deputy could have gotten something for that. Um, Brolin Brolin got most of the uh, action from the Critics Awards, and then he was nominated for the Oscar, I think, but didn't didn't win. And uh, watched uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona last night and thought... um, well, by the way, Har- uh, Javier Bardem should have should get some sort of range award just for being the super hunky for Spaniard being in both of those movies and yeah. being in both those movies with the crazy haircut serial killer with the thing that puts out cows. Yeah, I mean that is range. He's good, and goddamn, was that movie good? He's I, played paralyzed characters. He's played dudes that walk around. He's really got the range. Well, yeah, I actually thought No Country for Old Men was probably better than any of the best picture movies this year i don't Absolutely. know what your feeling was on I, that i agree with that well we got some uh, we can talk some movies we can talk just about anything uh, eventually we're going to open it up so we can take your phone calls as well but again this is all just technology and we're trying to keep up with everyone um one thing i wanted to talk about i was uh, up here friday night i was in a horrible mood on friday and i was up here on friday night and i was watching my kids play right where we're sitting in this room and they had a whole you know as a parent well as a human being you don't realize how much shit there is for kids that would piss you off except for you don't have any kids so it flies right under your radar and you never notice it but when you become an adult and you start watching some of the horrible cartoons like dragon tales or caillou or some of this bullshit or you start seeing some of the toys or just some of the books that are horrible horribly written and horribly illustrated you start getting angry especially <laughs> as somebody who has a couple uh, creative brain cells to rub together you get angry at these things This was the world's worst idea. I was up here. It was just after dinner. Dinner's basically you beg your kids to eat. The the beginning part of your life, people beg you to eat. And then the second part of your life, they beg you not to eat. And then at a certain point, they beg you to eat again, and then you die. Yeah, it's like Benjamin Button. It it really is, (laughs) except for at a buffet. First part of your life is everyone going, please eat, please eat, have some of this, come on. Second part of your life is, really, do you need more? You really, you went to the rib, you went to the rib buffet three times already, Cousin Sal. You really need need me to go up there and take it easy, buddy. Your heart's going to explode. Then you get to the very end of your life where someone goes, just have another sip of Ensure, and then you die. It's 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 I, I've just figured out it's it's the sort of trilogy of life. But the beginning part of the kids is you beg them to eat, and 
you, you start off with these noble intentions. Like, you know what? They're only going to eat whole grains. And they're only going to eat organic. And they're only going to... And eventually, just it, it, it gets down to just eat another fucking corn dog for daddy. Please. <laughs> just please. Just you can have something coursing through your veins. Because the kids, all they want is grease. And all they want is crap. And all they want to do is dip everything in ketchup. But you, I spent that evening trying to get them to eat the broccoli and the asparagus and all that crap. Then we go upstairs, and I notice they're playing. And what they're playing with is toy food. And they have the plastic broccoli, and they have the plastic carrots, and they have little plastic hot dogs. And they also have, like, the plastic ice cream cone that they're both sharing. They're both taking a lick and go, eh, here's Sonny. And and I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, that came off a container ship that uh, left Korea seven years ago. I'm sure it's covered in melamine. I'm sure it's covered in lead-based paint. And so at a certain point, when my son is trying to power down this piece of broccoli that's made of plastic, I'm slapping it out of his mouth going, no, no, you don't eat the fake broccoli. And then I realized, what kind of fucking retarded message is this? Because 20 minutes ago, I'm begging him, like, I'm, I will blow you if you eat your broccoli flour. Now I've slapped it out of your hands. He's got to be thinking, what the fuck? And then I realized, what kind of maniac makes plastic food for kids? Like, when you're a kid, the, the biggest hazard you have growing up is choking on something. You want to make little miniature hot dogs that c- can get lodged in windpipes? Like, whose fucking plan was this? <laughs> There's some dangerous toys out there and some messed up ones for their for their tiny little minds. Won't they but won't they just make little roofy bottles or little bongs or little spike strips like for for their big wheels like really? Like I thought those fake cigarettes were bad when we were kids. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine it. My son was lying on his back. He had one of these little it this you know fake hot dog. First off, uh it it seems very uh very homoerotic. But secondly, it's going to get lodged in his windpipe. It's weird to tell him not to eat something that he was eating 10 minutes earlier. And then I launched into this tirade, and I said, what kind of fucking maniac? Who brought this shit into the house? What the hell were you? I started pointing my finger. What the hell were you doing bringing this shit? Weren't you thinking? She said it was a gift. I said, what the fuck kind of maniac would buy this of your sister? I said, oh, all right. Well, that just came into focus. Remember, uh, remember the fake cigarettes and the near beer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Are you I just do. agreeing with me, Doug? No, I do remember. You mean the candy cigarettes? Yeah, yeah, those were like pretty tasty. And you'd blow good candy. You blow little little uh, talcum powder out, or a little little powdered sugar out, and then you'd grab a near beer. It's kind of a. It's an interesting message, like for a nine year old to head down to the liquor store. Yeah, I'm grabbing starter kit thing. I'm grab a fake beer, and uh, I'm gonna grab some fake cigarettes, and then. Uh, Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, Tani, you want to play? Yeah, you want to play my my fake old lady, and I'll pretend to beat the crap out of you after I've had too many near beers. Which is worse for you, you think, uh, if you if you uh, ate twenty or thirty of those candies every day, or, or if you smoke cigarettes? That's a good point. I I, I suppose if you ate, if you're like if you had like a three pack of a day habit yeah, if yeah. you ate the you ate the uh, fake cigarettes. Yeah, it's like eating chalk. Those things. <laughs> I know. That had to be a weird. Uh, you know, there's there's certain things like 
I really wish I could have gone back. I know it was a madman, uh, madman uh, mentality back then, but I would love to have been a fly on the wall for, you know, we always laugh about for the pitch for Hogan's Heroes or the Flying Nun or something yeah. like that. You know, like, the uh, she's a nun that flies? Yeah. Oh, because she's powered by God? No, no. The wind. The wind? I mean, she flies because she's a magic nun? No, no. She put too much starch in her habit. It's, 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 she's it's, aerodynamic. Yeah, it's formed a canard. And when the she wind blows... She never thinks of taking the hat off when she doesn't feel like flying. Not to mention that. The hat Wait, doesn't... She can't. She's a nun. She can't take it off. Well, anyone who's ever worn a... <laughs> Anyone who's ever worn a baseball hat in a convertible realizes the hat will come off your head. You don't lift out of the car with it. Well, it's wrapped under her chin, you know, <laughs> like a bandage, those, those it, crazy nun hats. It just sat on top of her head, and it's like she put too much starch in it, and it made an airfoil. <laughs> the, the, right, the Wright brothers mm. did a lot of their early work with the nun hats. <laughs> the other thing that's weird about it is, is it never helped solve anything. Like, if she was a superhero who could actually fly and, you know... Yeah, she never got somewhere quickly because of it. No! She she, always just would get blown away from situations. She just kind of hovered in the air over over Carlos, the millionaire bachelor. It was embarrassing. (laughs) It was a superhero with an embarrassing skill. And it's like, where does this take place? San Juan, Puerto Rico? I'm in. Like, <laughs> how? Let's see. So what happens? Well, remember the chick who used to play Gidget? Yeah. She plays a nun who, who flies in Puerto Rico. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so the pitch. The pitch for the fake cigarettes had to be a weird. Like There must have been some just candy manufacturers said, you know what? Enough with the gum, the taffy, and the chocolate. We got to start making cigarettes. I, uh, I just found they something seem on to be the internet. Popular. And in the fifties, they were actually in cahoots with the cigarette companies and making identical cigarette packages. Mm. So Salem, like, Winston. So Viceroy. was it the cigarette company's idea? Probably. Or the candy that's my company? guess. Interesting. I mean, they sold. I remember buying them. These Why are, haven't we been drummed over the head with truth commercials about this, though? You know, if the if the candy cigarettes came first. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. I feel like the, they would have glommed onto this, although they're they're gone now, so we don't have to we don't have to worry about no, it. They still make the candy cigarettes. Oh, they do. Yeah, but not in this country. Yeah, really? You can get those. Yes. Oh yeah, it's just got but a they don't sillier have the white box, paper. I think it's a, yeah. They're called Victory instead of Viceroy and Kings <laughs> instead of Winston and Roundup. Wait a second. Wait a second. They're named after gay porn magazines. <laughs> Number one. Number two. There's no 7-Eleven in North Hollywood that I can go into no, and buy a pack special, of those. This is an internet like, um, deal yes, here, right? Yeah, yeah, if you went to, like, Oriental Trading Company uh, this or... This is uh, definitely... This, this, Lillian Vaughn or This whatever. smacks of the, the Orient. Joints where they have a lot of weird candy, you know, like... Uh, yeah. Oz or whatever. But as a kid, I don't remember the Winston pack or the Viceroy pack. I remember, like, the fake kind of label pack going to thrifties and... I yeah, do. it never seemed like a real pack of cigarettes. But look, these are f- photos from the fifties. Yeah. Those are the candy packages there, Winston. I do, uh, I do remember that. But on the other hand, I wonder if the Salem's had like a menthol kind of candy taste to it. I don't know. I wonder if the black kids smoked them. <laughs> I mean, it had to be a weird Jeez. thing. I mean, it was really just you know uh, whatever your dad did, you wanted to do. 
Although my no one no one in my family uh, ever ever smoked. Oh no, my grandmother smoked these weird colored Four. European cigarettes. No, these weren't even the brown ones, but those were the first. I remember seeing her smoke more. She though. had like these brown ones, but she also had these colored ones. Like that, that's how you could tell someone was a lesbian back in the day when they smoked. Uh, when they smoke one of those more cigarettes, cigarettes, they're brown, oh. skinny, skinny and brown. And I'm still convinced people that Little smoke skinny blunts, Salem's, uh, and smoke menthols just do it so other guys won't bum cigarettes off them. Because uh, that always happens where the guy goes, "Hey man, you gotta they're, they're menthol." Oh, all right. No, no thanks. Yeah, but in, in a bar at two o'clock, I don't care what yeah. cigarette. Yeah, you need a cigarette. You know, it was always funny if you ever tried to yeah. ever right. try to bum a cigarette from our buddy Ray. He'd always take the cigarette and put it right up his nose, and and then turn it, twist it around like it was chalking a pool cue. Remember and that? Then, move? And then if you didn't want it, he'd still smoke it. Oh no, absolutely! You just <laughs> you would ask him for a hit off his cigarette just to see him put it up his nose and turn it like a pool cue. What about that, the? Uh, that was this good move. What about my leftover food? Yeah, the other uh, the other good one is is when we'd go out to eat with Donnie. Donnie never finished his meal. Donnie eats now, but Donnie didn't eat so much back then. And we'd just be sitting at Dupar's and we'd polish off our burger and fries, and then we'd just be staring at Donnie. And at a certain point, Donnie would push it in front of him. And when Donnie pushed it in front of him, that meant it was open season on whatever the nine fries and the half a burger that was left the on the plate. Bar. And what Ray would do, instead of fighting over the plate, he would just spit on it from across the table. <laughs> It was real good stuff. I remember one time at that Dupar's, uh, he or Todd threw an ashtray at somebody's head and just winged it across the room. One of the things that we used to do that was really funny, Doug, I don't know if you grew up around animals like I did. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, he sounds like he was raised by wolves. And every time I'm around him, he never does any of this really out-of-control stuff. So. This, this was from his uh, his earlier days, although he did... He did a few good ones in his adult life, like he shit in Jimmy's desk. That was a good one. That was a that was something. That's not just an expression. <laughs> you don't shit in a man's desk. <laughs> no, he literally. He, it was like it was like out of a movie where he um, he was paying Jimmy back for playing the uh, playing the Dixie Chicks joke on me. I don't know if you know that. It's a it's a fa- se- semi-famous story that uh, I'm torn between boring fans with it uh, for a 33rd time. But I'll, but Doug Benson hasn't heard the, the Dixie version. Chicks. I'll oh, give I've it, heard I, it and forgot it. Yeah, the beauty <laughs> of the weed. I'll be fast. I got a call from my manager saying that Natalie Maines wanted me to escort her to the Grammys. And this was Jimmy messing with you, ultimately. No, this is the beauty of Jimmy. <laughs> because Jimmy doesn't create these things out of whole cloth. He gloms on to things once the ball already gets rolling. Uh, okay. Because if he'd just done this, I would have gotten suspicious very, very quickly. What do you mean one of the Dixie Chicks once? I've never met one of the Dixie Chicks. No, as it turns out, the lead singer from the Dixie Chicks was a fan of mine and wanted me to escort her to the Grammys. And uh, I said to my manager, uh, how's this escort stuff work? Because I got a girlfriend, you know. And he says, ah, they do it all the time. And I said, all right, well, count me in. So uh, my girlfriend got pissed. 
And I ended up going to the Grammys with uh, the Dixie Chicks and Natalie, and we ended up winning. When I say we, I mean the Dixie Chicks won won a Grammy that year. And uh, I wish I would have TiVo'd it. I wish I'd had TiVo. <laughs> I wish I knew how to work my VCR. <laughs> but either way, we'd won. <clears throat> and I had to go off to Loveline after the Grammys. And they went out and got in their limousine and, and celebrated. And so I basically just told Natalie, you know, hey, thanks. Had a good time. You know, I got a girlfriend, but I'm um, flattered that you invited me. And she was cool, and she was going back to Nashville and whatever. And that that was the end of that. Till like two days later, I got a big bouquet of flowers sent to the Man Show office from Natalie. Had a good time with you. Give me a buzz sometime. Okay, that's nice. So I gave her a buzz, and I said, mm-hmm. uh, "Hey, uh, Natalie, you know, thanks for the for the bouquet, and uh, it was great. And you know, next time you guys are back in town." come do uh come do love line and she said yeah yeah all right okay and actually she made me it, it, it was jimmy could have never planned this because when i called her she said oh i'm watching you right now on mtv how weird is this and i thought wow kids really got it bad for me but we <laughs> kept moving on and then next thing you know i got like a giant chocolate chip cookie <laughs> sent to the office and it had you know natalie's name on it like a big heart in it and then i got like a piece of lingerie sent to me and it said, you know, call me. And, and I was like, I called her and I said, you know, Hey, thanks for the flowers. And, um, but you know, I, I have a girlfriend and so you should probably stop, stop sending stuff. And she's like, uh, okay. And we just hung up and that was that. Now, um, smash cut to a six foot sub showing up at the office the the big big sign in it that says i will not be ignored from from natalie so uh of course of course jimmy you know jimmy said you got to call her you got to put an end to this this this, she's insane she's she's gonna ruin your relationship so of course i i called her and you know i should have known because jimmy took way too much interest in it's like call her now Call her right now. So, you know, I called her. She was at a pottery barn in Nashville with her mom. And I was like, look, uh, enough with the panties and the six-foot subs and the giant cookies. I, I've told you. And I tried to be nice about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you now. I have a girlfriend, and I don't know what you're trying to prove here. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what do you mean, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the panties. I'm talking about the flowers. I'm talking about She's like, I didn't send any of that stuff. I said, well, I, I thanked you for the flowers, and you said, thanks. He said, I just figured my manager sent that. I was like, so you never sent anything? I mean, this is nothing? And as I look, you know, the room is filled with writers. Jimmy's videotaping me, so on and so forth. So I was yeah. uh, I was completely humiliated by the whole Jimmy thing. videotaped that? Yeah, Jimmy oh, videotaped. He's looking. He's been looking okay. for 10 years for it. He's got 10,000 uh, hours. My buddy Ray decided it was going to be – it was time for retribution – so he took a shit in Jimmy's uh, drawer of his desk, and I don't mean the I don't mean the the deep drawer. I mean the top, the one that goes over your legs, the pen drawer, the shallow drawer. He took a shit in that drawer, and then he called me that night. And he's like, "Yeah, that Kimmel, we're paying him back." <laughs> I took a shit in his drawer, and I said, "You did?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, Ray, you've been wanting to get hired on here at the Man Show for quite some time, right? And he's like, yeah. And I said, you know the only reason you haven't been hired on to this show? And he's like, no. And he says, because Jimmy thinks you're a maniac? And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, you need to get to that shit before Jimmy gets to that shit. So now there's a scene where Ray has to break into the office 
in the wee hours to get the shit out of Jimmy's drawer before <clears throat> Jimmy discovers there's a shit in his drawer that was left by Ray. So I go, Ray, you better get that fucking shit out of there. So Ray goes, breaks in, or he shows up at like 7 in the morning, w- wiggles his way through a window, goes, yeah, Donnie, you're laughing because you know where this is going, goes in the window, removes the shit from Jimmy's drawer, and I said, good, now don't say anything because Jimmy already thinks you're a maniac and you'll never, he'll never agree to hire you on if he finds out about this shit. He's like, fine, right, that was good, that was a good call, I'm glad I got this shit out of there. Smash cut to, I don't know, a week later. Eating dinner. No, 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 no. It was like it was about six months later, and there was rumors yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, six rumors. months. Six months later, <laughs> it was. I I'll give the, you six weeks. I max. remember the dinner. It was uh, Sal had his girlfriend from <clears throat> New York come to visit, and we were at. Uh, Either way, Ray was still floating around in the could have gotten hired zone, except for what happened at the uh, dinner. <laughs> They're all talking about it because it's like I heard Ray had shit in your desk and jimmy's like yeah i know well i heard that too and yeah, yeah. Was, and, and but nobody could confirm it except <laughs> they for, were saying they and were then saying, you did what they, they had described it as ray had shit on top of your desk <laughs> and i and i had had a couple it, beers explain <laughs> the part where you and made I said, it crisp. no you it wasn't on top of the desk it cigarettes. was inside of the desk everybody at the table went completely quiet and just everybody's head turned towards me, and Jimmy gave a what? Nice job, Weezer. <laughs> I've known sorry, Ray. Ray for thirty years. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ray. Threw him right under the shit bus. <laughs> well, it's all right. Ray's long been uh, been hired and fired uh, since then, anyway. But uh, either way, that was Ray uh, shitting in the uh, shitting in the desk. I'm just imagining that drawer is always so thin. I I don't know how he could have closed the drawer without. You know, leaving some sort of uh, reveal. You know what I mean? Like it would. Yeah. No, it would I squeeze out like Play-Doh. I can dig it. Yeah, like it would come out like it was extruded. Yeah, <laughs> it would totally be drawer extruded. I did have this invention once for these ass extruders, where like you could make it a star shape, or you could make it in. You know, you yeah, could make yeah. it into an octagon, or you do whatever you want. You just strap on these templates to your ass well it'd be kind of funny to look down in the toilet and see it coming out like you know corkscrew pasta or something like that Play-Doh. yeah like the same thing they do with Play-Doh. Play-Doh style shape of a star or a... yeah you maybe you wouldn't be in such a hurry to fart <laughs> well during valentine's day i mean look you could do the rose petals to the bathtub like every other douchebag does on Valentine's Day, or you could get out Doug Benson's heart-shaped ass extruder and really tell her you love her. That'll, that'll sell a lot more than the uh, Vermont teddy bear, I think. <laughs> well, you could go with a lot of the same themes. How and- cheap does the Vermont teddy bear look? The one this year that they had with the Zorro mask? The Zorro mask looks like it's uh, construction paper and, you know, tacked on with like a glue stick. Yeah, it's I know. unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, you're honey. It would, like, the women don't see those commercials playing constantly around Valentine's. Like, they'd be completely surprised by a Vermont teddy bear. I love, and I've always wanted to get a job in one of these offices when they do cheap productions. They always have these offices that are just populated by hot-looking strippers, except for they're wearing business attire. And they're in these plain offices, and they're like, what did Jerry get you for Valentine's? And then they're all huddled around the same yeah. super hot hot chick who's in the one cubicle and she's going, I got a Vermont, 
I got the Love Bandit from Vermont Teddy Bear, and it's a guy dressed up with the with like a like he's wearing the striped prison outfit, except for he's got a big heart on his back, and all the other super hot twenty three year old chicks are swooning, going love insane. It. <laughs> yeah, here's the whole thing about something like that. Once the chicks find out it's out there, then you're fucked. It's like every year when I used to be on the radio, every year, you know, flowers.com would give me a bunch of flowers for Valentine's Day, Vermont Teddy Bear, pajamagram.com would give me the stuff. And I would always tell them, this is great for everyone but me. I bring home the pajama gram. My wife knows somebody just gave it to me from the sales side, <laughs> yeah. and thus it has no value, which is the huge, a huge difference between males and females. And yes, if you could say to your wife, girlfriend, or whoever, I made you this teddy bear, or I had this teddy bear commissioned. I had the rock star of love teddy bear commission with the long hair and the shirt with the zebra stripes on it and the sleeves cut off. I sewed that for you. Chick would go right through a pair of panties. But if she's seen the commercial where it's 1995 and it's all over and it has next day shipping, now it means nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What about the pajama gram? Uh, doesn't it look like it's being shot in a porn house? It's like a McMansion kind of... Not not too much furniture. Yeah, young people look like in their well. Like the, the thing about 30s. the thing about cheap productions is anything that's a cheap production looks like porn. Like even when they're doing like even when you're watching one of those tutorial videos for how to use a word processor or new computer or one of those things where you, you get a new job and they pop in the cassette that's thing and then the chick walks in and she's like. Hey, Tom, have you seen the new employee? And I'm like, fuck her already. When are you going to fuck her? And it's like, meanwhile, it's a, it, it's a movie about safety at the workplace or something. It's just so low res. That yeah, you, it like, looks like it's going to bust into porn at I'm any I'm so moment. like Pavlovian now when I see bad acting, a poorly lit set, and something shot on bad video. I'm like... Fast forward through this uh, instructional video. Let's get to the part where he bends her over the desk and starts fucking her. It's like uh, this is a uh, video is is uh, about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Yeah, it is. Fast forward. Let's get to, <laughs> let's get to the cum shot. <laughs> yeah, let's see it. It's uh, it is it is pretty weird. Now, speaking speaking of uh, videos, uh, somebody. Well, I don't. I'll tell you who it is. It's. Uh, Brian K. Brian K. wrote in, and he wanted to know about uh, he wanted to know about my days working at McDonald's back uh, back during the summer of I guess it would have been the summer of nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty. I was in the I was in the tenth grade. I was going into the eleventh grade. Maybe it was eighty. Yeah, I was. Uh, Did work- they have McRibs at the time? Uh, or were I they think- in one of their hiatuses? I, you know, I wasn't there during, I was only there for like two and a half, three months. And the thing about McDonald's is three months, I, it's, it, it feels like 15 years. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget every single day I went in. Right. We had, uh, first off, the, the video part that was funny, many funny things about working for McDonald's. Um, they all have a basement in the bottom of them. You go down to the bottom. That's where they wash the uniforms and keep track of the paperwork. And the manager has his office down there. Everyone has one? 
Well, the, the the three or four that I've been in, they all have a wow. downstairs. Well, if you think about it, if you've ever been to the back of a McDonald's, it's just like freezer and grill and storage. There's no office. There's yeah. no place to punch in. There's no place to wash the uniform. You never see like an office door that's open and you see all the junk that people have in their offices. They're underneath. So this place, at least, was underneath. And the first thing they did is they popped in a video, which was an instructional video, like what to do what to do if there's trouble. And I remember one of the scenarios is a hostage takeover type situation, like some terrorists come in and they essentially come in there and these guys come in and they got Uzis, you know, and they're screaming at everyone, get down. And the, the video's like, just comply. Like, don't be a hero. And I remember being 16 thinking, uh, I'm getting 235 an hour. What do you think I'm doing? Going over the counter and trying to wrestle the AK-47 away from the guy? Like, do you really think for 235 an hour I'm gonna do that slow motion dive? No, not the shake machine. No, <laughs> like I may join you. I may ask you to take me with you in your van. I'll be back here eating fillet of fish. My wallet is safely locked away in my locker downstairs. Right, right. there's no (laughs) way. I don't care what the fuck you do. There's nothing that could get me to try to be a hero. So that was uh, that was number one. Number two, I was uh, relegated to the grill. I had to work the grill. I could not work the counter. I either got to work the mop or the grill. And uh, I had a huge black manager named Ken. And he would just come by and he'd go, time to lean, time to clean. <laughs> I was like, I didn't quite know what that meant. but Because you that weren't meant, leaning at the time. Uh, if I was hanging out, I should have been cleaning, right. I guess, is, is, is what it is. But you have to physically lean against something. Yeah, the other... To yeah. have that used on you. I don't think people lean anymore, by the way, because <laughs> guys used to lean. There used to be a lot of posters and things like where a guy would be like the Marlboro Man or somebody would be like smoking a cigarette and be leaning against a lamppost or be leaning up against stuff. I don't see kids leaning. I see people sitting and standing, but they used to lean. <laughs> Do they lean there's anymore? There's less leaning going on, I guess, because you, you don't want to be misconstrued there's as a, a prostitute or There's something. a good 40% less leaning in this country than there was 50 years ago, right? Uh, I guess yeah. so. Oh, shut up, Donnie. Go back to <laughs> shitting on someone else's story. I've never shit on anybody's story. Oh, uh, there wasn't a week. It was six months. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> You're a great comedy sidekick. Uh, where'd you learn that? At the Groundlings? Uh, I have had no comedy training, as you know. <laughs> oh, no shit. Zero. <laughs> I'd say it's but a did, little less than that. Did you take that. the uh, time to lean, time to clean, and adapt that into the apartment where uh, either clean or leave? That I got I'm so tired of you guys dragging home skanks. <laughs> skanks. I got so tired of At you least guys we were getting skanks. banging skanks in my one-bedroom apartment, and then they would just hang out and smoke cigarettes and eat my food all day. That use eventually, And use the phone. I eventually, this was our first apartment. I just adopted the clean or leave policy where I would <laughs> come out with my bathrobe on Sunday morning and just be like, listen, skanks, get up. And either you clear out or you start cleaning. That's that's the deal. Because somebody inevitably would have toppled a bong, spilled some oyster dip or something somewhere. Oyster, yeah, that's pretty so, sophisticated. Somebody would have yacked somewhere. 
I mean, there was something that got knocked over, right? A beer oh, was knocked over. We don't want to go into the color of the carpet when the, you moved out. The place was a fucking disaster. Would they usually just leave then when you said that, or, or did they opt to clean sometimes? <laughs> they just look at him. First, like, they would look at me and try expression. to focus and wonder whether we had sex hell? or not. That would be number one. And then number two, they'd always look around, and then they'd find either Donnie or Chris, and then they would always intervene and go, no, no, we're all right, we're all right. Sit down, you know, relax. And they would call me Walt. <laughs> because uh, Grandpa Walton, he's just Grandpa Walton. That's just Walt. He's just pissed because he didn't get laid. Well, no, Relax. Walt would be the honorary side of Adam. Where like, if he's going into a rant, that hey, uh, hey. Well, listen, the apartment turned into a petting zoo slash brothel at a certain point. Don't forget the slot cars. I mean, with a slot car track in the center of it. I mean, we literally. We got complaints, not from our own building. We would get complaints from neighboring buildings. And they complained that they saw animals. Was sex, drugs, and rabbits. And rabbits, yes. There <laughs> that were, was a complaint the, the landlord got. <laughs> we had rabbits running around there. We had, I really, I think the only thing that saved us is our landlord was clearly gay. <laughs> even though we didn't know it at the time. Here's how you know a guy is gay. When he's, when he's 46 and he has a full set of braces. When a guy a has braces, because like most, Bill Macy and Magnolia, yeah, forty-six-year-old guys don't think it's a good idea to get braces because they're <laughs> like, "Fuck it, I'm in a loveless relationship. I'm going on fifteen years. Who gives a shit whether I got crooked teeth or not?" The gays have to constantly be working on their looks. So this guy had braces that uh, that should have been the tip off, but he was probably he probably was into you, Donnie. He probably thought you were cute. Well, then how come you talked to him and used to go to his house and deliver checks for rent? I, we would bounce checks constantly, and for some reason, I was ap- appointed the guy who was always having to go deliver the checks. I mean, this is the third check, you know, after we after we bounced. But do you think Jim allowed few. it to happen? Like, hopefully, one day Donnie would deliver the new check. <laughs> God darn it, is that Adam? Kidding? I don't know. He probably liked uh, Chris too, but I was always getting fucked over by everybody because <laughs> somehow I was the last guy left at the apartment when it came time to try to get the cleaning deposit back, and the place was a mess and I had to go and like clean the place and he was disgusted by it and and listen when gay guys get disgusted nobody oh. gets disgusted like yeah gay they guys. really let you have it they don't <laughs> it's weird it's like they really that's when the chick in them really comes out like people think the chick comes into them when they're oh decorating or picking out shoes or something it's the disgusted part yeah Jim was standing there with his arms folded, looking down his nose with his braces shining in the sun, and he was like, Adam, I have been for over 20 years. I handled over 400 properties. I have never seen an apartment in this shape. This is the worst <laughs> shape I've ever... And I'm like, oh, come on, gay. Come on, Gamo. Can I just clean the fucking carpet without you staring down your fucking nose at me? Maybe he was talking about the painted bedroom. Oh, yeah. Stupid Donnie spray painted <laughs> the fucking bedroom. With fluorescent paint. I had to go in there and paint it. I, everyone, I should sue everyone. I hey, should you sue. made me come back. I wasn't even living there anymore. You made me come back and paint the bedroom. Yeah, you did half of it, and then you got stoned and left. <laughs> And I listen. And all my roommates. We had another roommate that took a hammer to all the dishes in the sink. Greek Once. fellow. Once, no, no, was, was, no. He wasn't part of a tradition at all. <laughs> Donnie was like living in the back of the place. He or I, I can't remember who was flopping. It, it's so me, it, Cravens, and Gillingham. What the fuck with everyone just flopping on top of each other? 
well into their adulthood, and this is why I uh, this is why this is why my family's horrible. If my son at age twenty eight or twenty nine is living with like three flunkies in a house in La Crescenta, I will intervene. I will say, yeah. "What's up? What's going on? What are you guys paying for rent around here? Fifteen hundred bucks? Because it seems like." The mortgage on this place is eleven hundred. Like, what's it going to take? You're going to be thirty in a month. What's <laughs> what's going on? You, don't you think we should just go? You, you you can swing a hammer. Don't you think we should go to Reseda and just get some piece of shit and I'll co-sign for it? And you can get the same roommates to move in there, and we'll just you'll just have them pay your mortgage. Like, what's the plan? It was so weird. I don't know. What's yeah. what's your situation, Doug? Well, I for, I moved to L.A. from San Diego, and I just uh, for the first like year or so that I lived in LA I just crashed with two dudes that I you know I met and got to know and became friends with because we lived together but I just like lived on the uh, futon in the living room of their apartment mm-hmm. and uh, and then eventually just at one point uh, you know they both started to do pretty well and I wasn't doing as well as them but they just like sat me down and said hey you can't we don't need to have a guy on the futon in our living room anymore right and I had to move out and, and you know and I got a, a roommate and you know I you, you know, like uh, we've already had this conversation before. You like, if if you need to make the money, you know, if you if you go ahead and get a better place and get a better setup, then you, you will rise to that occasion in your in your work, and everything will take right. care of itself. Right. You know, but these guys, it sounds like uh, the your buddies uh, that just <laughs> <No>. never. <laughs> you know, I used to sit around all the time with that, Judd Apatow and, and Adam Sandler, and I thought, are we just going to sit around like this for the rest of our lives? And then suddenly they both, like, really went to work, and like, I, I got to see how, like, oh, that's a great idea. Instead of just hanging out with your buddies, why don't you just So you just sat, everything. You sat around with Judd Apatow and Adam Sandler? Yeah, like, I li- in North Hollywood, I lived, like, two buildings over for them, and on a typical afternoon would be just, like, sitting around, you know, watching cable television and ordering in pizza. And uh, and then just one day they were both suddenly you know had real jobs and were off you know becoming huge. And what were you doing for money? I was doing uh, a bunch of di- at that time I I was doing enough stand up to make it as a you know to make a living as a stand up you know just scraping by like mm-hmm. working as an opener and stuff. But when I first moved to L A I was like I did everything from being an extra to tour guide at Universal and. Uh, I also work for that company that does these sneak previews of uh, of movies and then has people fill out cards after the after the screenings are over. I just do all these tangentially show busy things just to feel like I'm in show business. Yeah. And because I wasn't really good at anything else anyway. Yeah, I did the. Uh, I was this close to being a party pal where you dressed up as a ninja turtle and uh, went to kids' <laughs> parties. Uh, but I was always a carpenter, so I sort of had my dignity. Plus, I could make eh, 15 bucks an hour doing carpentry, so I always figured, uh, what the hell. Yeah, I didn't have the dignity fallback position at, at any point, other than just refusing to like work in like a, a restaurant or something like that. You know, I, oh, Think about all those. I must have lived in like 15 different places and had like 30 different roommates. And I just think about all those jackasses I lived with and all the crazy situations and circumstances. I can't believe none of them stabbed me in my sleep, number one. <laughs> and then all the drug addict, just uh, floozies and flunkies we'd have in and out of our place, just flopping out all the time. 
we knew some of the biggest jack-offs in the valley, man. <laughs> and they were all just drug addicts, and they were all prone. Like, they all had, like, these hair triggers. And it was pretty much either fucking or fighting or both. That, that, that was about it. And by the way, here's the proof. None of them went on to do anything. Am I right, Donnie? Donnie, you're the only one who actually went on to do anything, and that ain't much. Well, what do you mean not that much? All right, you're an editor. You landed on your feet. But all those yeah, jack-offs... I was doing the Tonight Show before you were doing the Man Show. All right, all right. But all those jack-offs we knew from back then. What are they doing now? I'm going to take the fifth. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I mean, you see those guys every once in a while, right? Yes. They are in fucking horrible shape. I mean, you can't believe what you know, 42, 44-year-old guys look like. Nobody was on a career path. Nobody was going to college. Nobody. It was just like you're saying. It was fighting, fucking, and what can you I do for the next You think there's more of time? that per capita in the Valley of Los Angeles than probably anywhere else in the world as far as... I, 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 I really don't know, kind of but, like, I, I mean, Donnie, stop me if I'm exaggerating. Nobody we knew... Well, now, there was a handful of guys we were friends with, but then after high school, they went off to college. And and we never really saw them again. Well, we'd yeah. do a road trip once in a while in the limousine and go Yeah, visit. once in a while. But it was usually it, a party situation. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, all right, here's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> they would end up at San Diego State, and we'd take a road trip, so we'd go to Tijuana and get loaded yeah. and then crash out in their dorm room. Oh, Jesus. Remember when Rudy went nuts? <laughs> It's horrible. I don't yeah, even want to right. bring that story. All right. I mean, we, we had a friend who used to black out, <laughs> oh, and he on. would literally just wake up strapped to a gurney. Like, he would go completely... And that's... And that's not Rudy... It's awesome that, you, that you're working last names into this. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, that's a genius thing. Well, it could be any other Rudy. I'm, I've cleared... Well, well, first off, anyone who knows us knows what Rudy it is now, because there's only two Rudys we know, and you just took one of them off the list. Okay, so I narrowed it down. I said the guy's first name. <laughs> I didn't. That's all I said. You really have to work the last. You got to work the last okay, name it, into it. It's just as bad as the waitress at Bob's Big Boy, the giant lady. What was that? Oh, you, you were, were the giant waitress. Yeah, you were talking about the. She's not there anymore. Oh, she was yeah. like a real giant. There was a there was a oh, there was a waitress giant. at Bob's Big Boy that had gigantism. Yeah. But what did I do? You talked about it uh, in the current time. Oh, and it was perfectly clear who you were talking about. You were doing morning radio on K Rock at that. All time. right, all right. Well, quite side so everybody that goes in there would know that he was talking she about stood her. out like a. All right, no, but I, look, I didn't mention her name. That's that's the point. The point is... is she's going to stand out whether you say anything about her. We had her a buddy named Rudy go insane, essentially. <laughs> a few times. A few times. And, I mean, like, seriously, like, it needed to be euthanized. He just couldn't and drink. He drank. Yeah, I know. He would drink <laughs> he and we'd go insane. So, uh, but we, we, yes, we made a few road trips to Santa Barbara. We made a few road trips to, you know, San Diego, wherever we had a couple of friends that we wanted to go party at their school. went to a nearby party school. Yeah, yeah. New, nearby party school. But out of all the guys we went to the, you know, that stayed in the valley, that I grew up in the valley with, uh, I don't know that any of them have really landed on their feet. I mean, there's not a lot of health insurance, not a lot of home ownership, not a lot of credit cards, mostly just partying, yeah, I would say. Not a lot of uh, podcast listeners, probably. Uh, one would hope not. And now, <laughs> it, it was really cool because these guys were great looking, strong as oxes, and could just party their asses off and show up and swing a hammer the following morning, even though they were green, they could still... 
you know, swing a hammer the next morning. As you start to get into your 40s, first off, there's only so far your genetics can take you. And these guys had great genetics, just big, strapping, corn-fed guys from the valley. But 25 years of smoking and drinking, eventually the shit starts to catch up to you. And now, yeah, when Donnie and I see a lot of our old friends from the valley, it is a little sad. And most of those guys, I haven't kept track of every one of them, and some of them have died, by the way, and went pretty early. I mean, you know, mid-20s, you know, even early 20s. Yeah, Donnie? I mean, at least at least quite a few of them have bit it that way. But the rest, it did not work out. I mean, I'm just saying, if there are any slacker 22-year-olds that are listening that think, hey, it's cool just to party and hang out and score some weed and drink some beer... Uh, it is cool when you're 22. It's sort of like that version of, it's sort of like that version of being a hot chick when you're 22. It's like, hey, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to have a career. You got the tramp stamp. You got the tongue piercing. It's cool. Dudes are interesting. The 42 year old version of that is really fucking sad. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. And in the male department, Replace the sort of sex and the hanging around with the career, and you'll have the same disastrous results. The guy that's still working at the lumber yard, the guy that's still just driving a garbage truck. I mean, and that's if these guys are employed at all. I mean, not all of them are gainfully, gainfully employed. Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. It's pretty sad, and I have no idea what the fuck their parents were thinking. Like, is it is it really? That's it? You just crap out a kid and you just push him out and that's it? If that's all you like is part- partying, you're screwed. Like, it's I, I love to, you know, drink and smoke, but it's like uh, you also have to love to do something that's going to, you know, allow you to do those other things, you know, to give you the time and the money and the, Well, for you the know. long haul. Yeah. yeah, that's the point. Yeah. yeah, they don't, they don't, but they don't find anything to be passionate about other than partying. That, like yeah, that's that all moment. they look forward to doing all the time. Like some people, if you look forward to your job a little bit, then maybe you'll be good at it and you'll make a good living, and then you can party more. Yeah, but- that's the only that's the only thing those guys did, and it was always about today, and it was never ever about tomorrow and all the other stuff. And I could remember like talking to them about uh, you know doing improv and doing comedy and doing this, and doing that. And they were like, "What the fuck?" And uh, I always found that amazing, though. No matter what you didn't pay for your car insurance but you were going to the groundlings everybody was like shaking their head like what the hell is he wasting money on yeah it was always like what 300 bucks to to make up stuff with fat chicks (laughs) are you high dude (laughs) imagine how the groundlings went over in north hollywood 1986 you know I'll tell you though, we had a good time in the apartment <coughs> while you were gone. Yeah, I didn't have. Yeah, I didn't even have car insurance for the entire time. I was like, I didn't. I don't think I had car insurance from about. Uh, I had a good twelve-year run of no car insurance, but I was always paying my dues over at uh, the Groundlings or Acme, which probably yeah, yeah. should have gone to a car insurance. But well, now now out. look who's laughing. Yeah, it worked out. You didn't get any horrible accidents. No, well, look, my whole my whole thing is literally, so sue me. I have a piece of shit pickup truck, and that's the only thing I own to my name. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, sorry about your baby, lady. <laughs> yeah, sorry <laughs> about the triplets. <laughs> I could probably replace the stroller. How much is that? 
I'm not sure if I could replace. I think the, I got a hammer in the back of the truck. <laughs> I could could definitely straighten that take stroller. Take a swing out. at it. One last one. Uh, speaking of kids, before we uh, take ourselves a permanent break until tomorrow, Michael P wrote in and he wants to know about reading and uh, my kids. Now I never really learned to read, and I didn't know how to read or spell for that matter. Pretty much all through my life. And then as an adult, when I got into radio, I had to kind of learn to read. I mean, I sort of knew how to read. I still don't really know how to spell. But I had to really kind of give myself a crash course in it because I was going to be reading stuff on the air. And it seemed like a nightmare and like teleprompters and cue cards and stuff like that. So I've I've kind of learned it. But Michael uh, P. wanted to know if I was going to emphasize it with my kids. And there's a part of me... I mean, my first impulse, like at first blush, I'm like, absolutely. They should absolutely be great at reading. They should love reading and they should embrace it. And then there's another part of me that thinks, maybe I have a very fertile mind because I I wasn't ingesting other people's ideas. I know that sounds weird, but if you think about it, there's a lot of people that read that are basically just taking other people's ideas and, and downloading them. Like, well, there's this author's ideas and that author's ideas and they just get they just drift off into this world that somebody else created whereas i couldn't read so for me it was always coming up with my own thoughts and my own ideas have any takes on that doug uh, i'm liking where this is headed because are you a reader uh, i am i i, I uh, in my youth i was a uh, read all the time uh, you know read lots of different things and uh, really enjoyed it and became a writer essentially you know with my comedy and other things that i do but now as an adult i've kind of lost touch with it like i never if i read something it tends to be uh nonfiction like i'm interested in stories about things that that actually happened but right. like but getting lost in any kind of book now that's has a uh, fictional narrative i i can't yeah i, I can't agree. do it because i just start to anything that they're saying in the book i just start to go off in my own thoughts and i can't concentrate i, I start coming up with my own ideas and and my response to it is is immediate now you know like right so and, get, and that's from too much media. I, I know I'm a lazy person for not enjoying reading as much as I used to. But, but, I, but I guess the bigger question then is, our kids are going to grow up just stimulated. They're just going to have this wall of input and information and media just flying at them a thousand miles an hour all day, every day. So they can just sit back and be entertained. They're going to be like the king in you know one of those uh, Egyptian movies where they're like, and you just bring out the dancing girls and bring out the comedian. And then they just sit there. And it just all comes their way. No one's ever going to tell them, look, you got an afternoon to kill. Go outside and entertain yourself. You had to really sort of get creative. You don't have to get creative with video games. It's you don't true. have to get creative. When you can pop in a DVD of how the Grinch stole Christmas in July, where's your imagination really come in? Like when is that? How does that factor in? And I don't know what the answer is. I know it strangely Steve- does, though. That's the weird thing about you know kids still have great imaginations and 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 use them even though they're seeing all this this crap you're talking about all the time. I'm sure there's some sort of you know happy place where there's a balance and it's all going to work out. But it will will be interesting to see thirty years from now, twenty five years from now where people's attention spans are, how creative they are, 
how you know do we have as many architects and poets and writers and whatever as we had before designers they're so computer smart the uh, kids growing up now yeah that, i guess the argument that, that's is amazing. they're all making their own short movies and putting them on youtube yeah all it's, right. it's uh I, I just think dumb is still going to be dumb you know, yeah. there's no stopping it. Yeah. Well, let me introduce <laughs> you to some of my friends from the Valley. All right. I think that's uh, about enough. Doug Benson, by the way, you can go to MySpace. You can go to Doug Benson's MySpace if you want to find yeah. out any information about where he's going to be and uh, who he's going to be doing it with. And you can and follow me on Twitter. I'm constantly uh, updating everybody on that. Thanks a ton, and until next time, this is Adam Carolla for my buddy The Wheeze and Doug Benson saying mahalo. All right, that was Doug Benson, episode 11. Coming up next, we have a clip from episode 12 featuring Greg Fitzsimmons. This one's very fun, and at the very end of it, Greg just starts asking Adam questions about the podcast, how it downloads, how it works, kind of picking his brain about this. Uh, it's so interesting to go back and hear this now. It's like, oh, everyone wanted to figure out the magic and the formula. Fascinating. I completely disagree with being nice. I, don't, I think nice is bullshit. I think n- nice is a mask for, um, for good. What should you... What, let, I'm let, saying... Let, let me give you an example. Let me give you a, uh, the, the tow truck story I've told too many times, but I drove off a tow truck But because uh, the guy was being a douche. But let me, let me give you another one. There was the uh, Chicano chick, and she's probably 19 or 20, and she was working back when they had the valet at the Arclight Theater. And people would pull up, and she'd take the car and whatever. And I was in the line of people who were handing her the valet ticket, and she was getting them the car. Mm. And so I was about four people behind. And the one guy hands the ticket, and she goes, did you did you get it uh, um, uh, validated? Did you get it validated? And the guy's like, uh, no, I've just, I didn't think you did that when you validated. I told you to get it validated. Mm. And he's like, no, you didn't say anything. And she's like, Shh, man. And she goes and whatever. And then the next guy comes up and she, and she goes, did you, oh, you didn't get it validated. You didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy's like, I didn't know. I told you to get it validated. Shh. She does it. You know, yeah. the third guy. That's hilarious. Fast forward to me. That's hilarious. And, of course, my wife's already trying to crawl inside of her own (laughs) vagina. She knows what's coming. She's trying to do what a snake does when it eats its own tail. And you haven't said anything yet. She's just projecting. said a word yet. I hand the bitch my ticket. She's Mm -hmm. like, you didn't get. I said, shut up. She said, I told. I said, bullshit. You didn't tell anyone to do it. You just had fucking four people in a mm-hmm. row here tell you. They didn't get, you didn't tell them. And by the way, we're all a fuck of a lot smarter than you are. So you drop the fucking attitude and get the fucking car. Yeah. Or I will get How'd your that ass fired. She did it. And my, my wife the whole time when we were driving home was saying, why did you have to be a dick to her? And I said, the first four fags from Santa Monica weren't. Yeah. And I needed to fucking yank this bitch's chain yeah. and tell her, hey, drop the fucking tone, drop the fucking attitude, and obviously you didn't tell anyone to get the shit validated because we're all ten times smarter than you and nobody bothered to get it fucking validated. Mm-hmm. Now drop your attitude, get the fucking car. Yeah. And some people say, 
all right, that makes you a colossal dick. My answer to, the, to them is, A, fuck you. She was You're being the a cleaner. cunt. You're the and cleaner. And number two, people need to have their fucking chain yeah. yanked every once in a while. And we're living in a society filled with just essentially guilty white people from Santa Monica yeah, that are like, you know what? Well, here's the thing. Let me, speak, let me speak for the people that would react differently because I'm not one of them. I'm you. I'm the same guy. There's nobody with a worse with a it, the reason I'm talking like Dr. Drew is these are things I've heard from my therapist that I've started to put into action. And you're heavily medicated to be to be yes. fair. Yes. I mean, this isn't the real me. Right. And now I know the real you is like the logo from Notre Dame. I fight anybody anytime. I right. I punch I told you on your I punched a guy in the face a month and a half ago who was in his car and who swerved in front of me on purpose and I, right. I cornered him with my car in reverse and then I punched him in the face three yes. times. I got out of my car and I with my son in the back on the way to preschool, I punched a guy's window and then he as he took off I stood in the middle of the road calling him back as my four year old sat and watched me to learn the example of how to handle conflict. Sure. I spent at least five weekends of my life in jail after after bar fights on a Friday night, where you right. get where the where they go. Yeah, judge comes in on Monday around noon. Right. There won't be any windows or lights or clocks, but try to estimate what seventy two <laughs> hours is. And uh, so, I mean, I have made the mistake again and again and again, and I've done the same thing with people in the service industry, where um, I went to uh, Volkswagen in Santa Monica, the worst run company in America. Mm-hmm. Um, the dealership's fine, but f- as far as service, they took two or three locations and they, in the corporate way of thinking, made it better by making them all one giant one with eight right. lanes and you show up and for an oil change, you need to show up, wait in your car for 40 minutes mm-hmm. while you see all these people at stations inside that aren't working yet because it's 745. Mm-hmm. They're drinking coffee, shooting the shit, while three guys are out front Filling out what you need done, you know, doing the forms, moving the car, and I finally, I was late for an appointment, and I finally, after being polite to the guys outside, walked in and started started deconstructing each one of their jobs inside. I said, look at you. And these are all ex-football players from college who have no sure. other job options. Sure, they sure. thought they were going to network a job into the financial district, ended up at Volkswagen in Santa Monica. So I'm saying to them, look at you. Look at you. What do you got? You got the sports page there? How's that? How about checking on the report of cars waiting to be – I go, is your job that – you're not doing anything. Look at him. You're not – I'm walking around, and there's a, there's a, other people inside waiting at some other line. Please tell me your me. son is watching this from some no, vantage I went, point in the car. No, you're actually – solo at this point. A friend of mine – and oh, actually, I was writing on, on Louis C.K.'s show at the time, mm-hmm. Lucky Louis, and we, me and my friend Mary lived near each other, so we were carpooling. And she, we walked out, and this is a chick from Southie in Boston who has punched women in the face. Mm-hmm. She's one of the toughest chicks I know. Dad's in the Irish Mafia, bookie in South Boston. She even said, wow, you really you need to see somebody. Like, you're out of right. control. So when I give you this advice, it's take my advice. I'm not using it. Right. But it is, at the end of the day, empowering when you have a situation where you can set somebody right and walk away from feeling like you made the world a better place. The truth is, you just took a dysfunctional, angry person, made him angrier. That sixth guy in line, his car isn't even coming. Really? She's not going to, you're going to cure her by getting angry at her? I, I, I really, I don't know. All I know is. Hey, listen, I equate it to the service industry is not the service industry anymore. Biz- like, yeah, business of. And it's a service economy. That's the sad Business part. as usual is her chastising people for not doing something that she didn't tell them to do. 
Yeah. All I want to do is break the chain. I had four people all put their tails between their legs, and now I'm getting it to it. Don, remember when we were at the uh, Glendale Galleria, and uh, me and Todd and Chris beat the crap out of that guy who was swinging the uh, noon shots no, no, around? I, I wasn't there, but then you guys came home and then told the whole How story. How long ago? <laughs> An incredible story. <laughs> we were, We were like... Uh, no, we were like 20 or something. We just saw a movie at the mall, and we came out into the parking structure, and there was like a hoodlum, like a punk rock guy yeah. and his punk rock buddy with, with like the chain. spiked hair. And they had this device that like the you, warriors. Could, you could probably only get through mail order, which was like two foot of chrome chain with two what looked like nunchuck handles on it, except they were solid chrome. Mm. And he was swinging the thing. And the guy had been terrorizing everyone in the parking structure. Like, the guy was literally just scaring the shit out of all the poor people that were going to the mall. By the way, it was the mall where they did fast times at Ridgemont High. So we went out in the parking lot, and he wasn't really screwing with us. We just kind of saw him screwing with other people. Like, him and his buddy were just standing there, like, looking menacing. And there was some, you know, a guy, a couple or something, maybe older. He's like, what are you looking at, Grandpa? You know, and then, like, a, a guy and his son like yeah get moving faggot you know and it, whatever yeah and we just saw the guy and we were like eh, we don't feel like this should continue mm-hmm. i mean not for us we weren't in the guy's crosshairs and we were like three guys that were about his age so it was like we, we didn't bother us but we're like i don't like this guy i don't like this guy fucking with everyone i felt sorry for everyone else in the mall mm. so me and my buddy snake who <laughs> real name was Todd Euler, but it changed it to Snake Euler at a certain point, or we changed it. Speed Racer character. And this other guy just went over there and just went, eh, let's shut this guy up yeah. and get him out of here because he's terrifying the locals. And we went over there, and he started with his shit with us. Hmm. And next thing you know, he pulled this weapon out, yeah. and he was swinging the weapon around. And I had a jacket, and I took my jacket off, and I was giving him like a Toro kind mm. of move because I was trying to hold it up and douse this crazy chrome device, yeah. this chain he was swinging over his head. And as I was getting closer to him, my my buddy Snake just flew past me and dove into him, and uh, the guy did catch him with a lot of that yeah. chain, which we found out later. But we threw him on a hood of a car, and we just beat the shit yeah. out of him. And uh, we took the chain away, yeah. and uh, his buddy just went tearing out. And we all went home feeling like, good. That guy you, was no, fucking with everyone thing. in the mall. You did a good we thing. We have his chain. Yes. Poor Todd. It was, it was a it, chain mark on his it, back. It, it was a com- It was really like out of a movie because <laughs> we're, we're in Todd's apartment after that. And I said, Todd, how is it that you flew past me, jumped on this guy? You know, he, once Todd flew past me, we all jumped on him and threw him on the hood of a car. But I said, how did you do it when the guy was swinging this chain around like a rotary blade on a helicopter? And he goes, well, he may have caught me. And he, he pulled his shirt up and across his back were chain links. <laughs> he should have oh gone to a tattoo parlor and got it permanent. <laughs> right, right. Because that's, that that's a nice one. But we did feel like, hey... This guy needed to be stopped, and it's the same way I feel about people who aren't turning right on a red. I honk at them, and my wife goes, why are you honking at them? Because they need to move. And if everyone honked on him, honked at him, the city would move faster. No, then, no, then, you're, then you're in Beirut, and it's just everybody really? honking all the time, and it's annoying. Here's my theory on that. When you're born, you get a gun with one bullet in it. Mm-hmm. It's got a serial number, it's a single use, and uh-huh. you're done. Right. But... You may kill one person. You'll probably miss anyway. Right. But everyone in life 
now knows there's people out there that have one legal bullet that they can use. And right. they're going to make that right on red. And well, they're not going to harass people at the mall. Uh-huh. I like that. Now, if you give people unlimited bullets, right. it's a free-for-all. Right. Yeah. I think the same thing with horns. You have the I wild think you should, your horn should deactivate for 24 hours after you've used it. Well, let me give you another one. Maybe it should just be like one of those air horns where it's loud at the beginning, but eventually the more you use it, the more it deflates. And eventually you're just sitting there and you're like, (laughs) Sweetie, did a midget fart? I swear I heard something. There's a guy shaking his hand. Yeah, Yeah. it just sounds like shit. By the way, uh, speaking of horns in cars, I I had this idea. Weezer, I know you're going to dig this. I've uh, said it on the radio before. I, uh, you know, the whole paparazzi surrounding the cars, jumping on the hoods, then mm. pretending they got run over. Yeah. When, when the, what the fuck are you supposed to do when the car's surrounded by humanity and you're inching forward in your Denali? Um, whenever I see that footage of, you know, Britney Spears trying to get out of the rehearsal studio and everyone's piled around the car and she's trying to honk and back up and go forward and honk or whatever, I always thought, um, you know what you do if you're a celebrity? I, I'm not a big enough celebrity. It doesn't matter to me. But uh, if I'm Britney Spears, get a serious air horn put in your car. And I mean trucker air mm, horn. Yeah. We, all know that that feeling, we all know that feeling of sort of drifting off at the wheel, starting to drift. And you're driving to Vegas. It's 2 a.m. You start to drift in that next lane, and you hear that trucker yeah. pull down on the air horns. Like, yeah. And it scares the living shit out of you. There's nothing illegal about it. Now, I mean, obviously, a celebrity can't put mace in the front of their car. No, but you can put that. There, there is fart spray available at your at your dime store joke shop that will clear a crowd. I'll pack that into the horn. Yeah, so we can kill. Let's two work birds on with a couple senses at once. But all I'm saying is, is for a hundred bucks, you get a serious air horn. I mean, you get a trucker's air horn. You don't have to mount it on the roof of the car. Just put it right under the front grill. Maybe put one in the back. You could have this thing retrofitted for three, four hundred bucks, and when you honk on that thing, it's. You ever have someone honk one of those boat horns, and they honk it next to you like the ones they start the marathon with or something? Yeah. It scares the holy shit out of you. Imagine if you're the paparazzi, you're sitting in the front of Denali, and you just honk onto that. You lean yeah. onto that air horn. Sounds like a freight train. Yeah. yeah my cousin Gans, uh, through the J.C. Whitney catalog, right, installed a diesel air horn on his. Uh, International Scout. Wow. If you're standing... Well, the International any, Scout comes with... At least it's No, probably, he put a diesel no. uh, air horn. Nice. Yeah, go to J.C. Whitney online. Probably cost him 89 bucks. If you're standing anywhere near the hood of that Scout and your buddy Sandy, your cousin Sandy, leans into that horn, yeah. you will jump out of your fucking skin. Let's right? add a strobe light to it because ultimately they're trying to photograph. If right. you have a high, a rapid-fire strobe light and you're wearing goggles or glasses uh-huh. to filter it out, a, they're not getting a picture. Uh. B, they're getting out of the way. Between the smell and the horn, now they can't see. How about we add a Harrier jumper jet like propulsion system so you can actually have vertical liftoff while you have your horn and it's your strobe? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Between the fart, the strobe, and the diesel horn, that would do it. I wish one of these celebrities was smart enough to put the fucking diesel horn in the Denali. I would love anything, by the way, because if I were Britney Spears... I would the f- I would try that thing out the first day be the greatest thing ever. I just get into it and I would say I'm going to the Ivy. 
And I'd just pull right in front, and she'd pull right in front, and everyone would just pile. They all pile. They all block it. They all yeah, jump yeah, into the yeah. front. They all just did. And I would stand back on. I'd get on a rooftop, and I would just film it. And the <laughs> first time she hit that horn, yeah. just to see everyone just drop their the cameras. That's a, that's a good prank show is is actually well michael moore did a version of that where he the guy who invented the car alarm he pulled about 10 of those cars up to the guy's house at five in the morning and set them all off really wait, wait, what, what was his show called originally oh, oh america Roger, no there, he had he had that tv he had the thing called uh, this is america america's it was like it had america Something or USA. America. There was a guy in a chicken suit right right and, but that live Nation, something, something, nation? fools, na- nation. But live nation? it was always yeah, it, what I liked is the one thing I can't stand is when you're doing prank, you're calling up the Chinese delivery place. Here's some immigrant that's working their ass off for no money, right. and now you're going to bust their balls for ten minutes about a, an order that's ultimately a racist joke. The poo poo planner, whatever it is, funny, funny. Yeah, not saying it's not. No, but if you're going to make a TV show. Um, you know, there, there's enough victims out there. There's enough people that deserve to be victims, like, you know, uh, CEOs that are taking their bonuses. You know, go after people that have hurt the quality of life in America and let them be the butt of the joke, not the hardworking restaurant owner. I, I agree. You should be Robin Hood-esque in your payment or payback when you're taking it out on these people and uh like i said being a former blue collar worker i have sympathy for the man (laughs) i'm just saying knock off the attitude or i don't care how much you make i'm going to give it back to you i love the idea of fucking with the ceos and the golden parachutes and doing all that kind of stuff you know Go, uh, go, go! Deal with the uh, guys over at uh, the big defense contractors and all that kind of stuff. I love all that shit. You know the name of the show, by the way. TV Nation. TV yeah. Nation. That's it. But I'm just saying to the little man, drop the attitude. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on the drop the attitude. And you know, ultimately, what it comes down to is, in your generation, which is my generation, there was still some semblance of pride in craftsmanship. Whether it was, I mean, garbage men. I knew sanitation engineers growing up that were proud that they were in a union. Right. I don't know how you feel about unions, but to me, um, you know, that's one version of it. The other one is just basically people being treated well enough by the man in their job that they're proud of their job and they do it well. And when they're belittled and, and, uh, you know, their friend gets fired, all of a sudden they got their duties – it begins to feel helpless, and I think that your your minimum wage weight starts taking it out on on the customer. Yeah, I'm wondering too if we're in the wrong town for the minimum wage worker because everybody here wants to do something other than what they're doing. Yeah, and so when you're dealing with, and by the way, this is why you should go to old delis instead of new hip restaurants to eat because when you go to the old school deli you get the 65 year old chick who calls you hun yeah yeah and she's writing on a scratch pad like like she's like an old time reporter Mm -hmm. and she's going what do you need hun what what can i get you hun and she is a waitress that is her station in Mm -hmm. life it's not waitress she's not working on a script yeah she's not blowing a producer she's not going out on audition and her head's going over the sides while she's trying to fuck up your order headshot in your uh, daily 
special section of your menu. Right. You don't get a Z card mixed in with your salad. It's just a waitress. And don't be fucking witty. I don't want your wit. I don't want your cocky wit, young actor guy. I don't. You're, I don't. Don't alpha male. Don't al- al- I'm the fucking alpha male at table 12. Right. That's why you're bringing me food. Um, I'm with that. And also... I don't know, need to be impressed by the fact that you think you can memorize the nine people at my table's order. Yeah. Get out the fucking steno pad and start writing. Yes. I don't pro. need any of that. I got it. No, I can do it. I, look, here's the upside. Zero. Downside, you fuck up an order. Yes. So write it down. Here's another thing. Take some notes on the special. I got that you understand how it's prepared and what herbs are used. Check in if I want to hear it first. Yes. Start with a short pitch. Would you like to hear the specials? Yes. Let me proceed. Are you interested in steak? Okay. Before I get into the bull and bay's base of the asparagus right. consomme, find out if I give a fuck. It's not a one-man show. You always, you always have, and you always have to feign interest. Uh huh. Oh. Uh huh. So that's uh, that's that's now that's uh, that's ocean rays. That's not that's not pond rays. Uh, it's not farmed. Okay. That's, did you say that was soul or cod? Okay. Mm. You're nodding your head. Meanwhile, you decided to get the brisket 20 minutes ago. Yeah. But they give you the specials. You have to do a lot of head nodding. Mm-hmm. Lentil. Okay. Extra. Okay. Awesome. Um, one of the funnier moments uh, I've had during the specials is at uh, Morton's. Arnie Morton's. Arnie Morton's. You, it's a steakhouse uh, chain now. There's out two here. Mortons. You got to know. There's one. Yeah. That's, there's a Morton's, Morton's steakhouse, Chicago. Right, and then there's an Arnie Morton's out Arnie here. Arnie Morton's is the real one. Yeah, they give you the full presentation where the person rolls out the cart. Yeah. There's a live lobster on it. There's a T-bone steak on it, and they do the whole thing. Mm. And they roll the cart out, and they go, "Here's our two-pound main lobster. It's flown in fresh every day. Here's our T-bone bone-in fillet. Blah 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 blah." Yeah. Um, if you've been there enough, you tell them, eh, forget the presentation. Just Bring this four ribeyes. And- give me the ribeye. Right. But well, I was there with my buddy Daniel Kellison and, and Jimmy. <clears throat> We'd had a couple of drinks, and they were giving the presentation to the table next to ours. Mm. But the guy had his back to us. Yeah. And while he's giving the presentation, he's holding up the beefsteak tomato. Then he's holding up the ribeye. My buddy Daniel <laughs> reaches over, grabs the lobster, and puts it underneath our table. Mm-hmm. The guy turns around, sees the lobster's missing, but doesn't blink. Keeps going with the presentation. <laughs> he holds up the pork chop. He's holding up the head of lettuce. But you can see, each time he turns around, he's subtly a little more... He knows he's going to have to get to the lobster. Yeah. He saved the lobsters the crescendo for the presentation. He's worked his way through all the veal cutlet and all the other stuff that he's been holding up. He knows he's going to have to get the lobster. And you can read on his face that something is wrong, mm. but he doesn't want to say to the table... Uh, I, I lost my lobster. Yeah. Have you seen my lobster? Now, the lobster's alive, yeah. but it just has the rubber bands over the over the paws or the claws. So he's doing He keeps turning back, and each time he turns back, he looks a little longer, and you can see him kind of looking down a little, and then it's right back to the table again. At a certain point, my buddy Daniel, when he turns his back, just reaches around, puts the lobster That's right the back things I've ever heard. where it was, moves his hand. We continue our conversation. This guy turns around, sees the lobster. It's a moment of like, what the fuck? And then goes into the lobster thing. Now, I know that guy went back to the kitchen and went, I, 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 it was on the plate. 
it was gone. It was like an episode of Bewitched. <laughs> and people were taking yeah. stabs at, well, you pro- probably was hiding under the veal. No, yeah. no. it was. It's a two-pound lobster. They call that gone. waiter Major Healy for the rest of his mm. stay at that restaurant. The real part, <laughs> the great That's part the about that, that whole thing was putting the lobster back and then sliding around and continuing our yes. conversation. And, and never it took pros <laughs> to do that. Never Two saying a word. Two professionals and a, a high-level producer in yes. sketch. It took. That's what it took. Yeah, well, and he produced it. He, it was his concept. Yes. And you guys supported and it. And he nailed it. All that's, right. That's good Greg work. Greg Fitzsimmons, you can go to FitzDog.com to get all the information you want. He's going to be uh, playing Philly very soon. And uh, <coughs> Sorry, I've been battling a cold. Thank you all for tuning in. You guys have been awesome. And again, uh, 2 point, two point four million downloads last week Can is that you right believe it yes and all just done pirate style wow just people sharing it with a friend and uh doing their little grassroots legwork and, and this god is god bless you i know you're signing off but i am curious can we can i d- ask you questions about your show sure go ahead because i i, I come <coughs> i come here i come here adam mm-hmm. uh as a guest who is um I think a lot of people in L.A. are really pulling for you to end up back on the air again. And I, I genuinely miss hearing you you and Teresa oh, you, yeah, crying you, on the air every you day. You should ask. And by the way, you know, we usually wrap it up at 50, 55 minutes. But we, we can go an hour and 10. doesn't matter. Whatever you want. Well, let's – let's. I just am curious, and I'm sure that if I am – maybe some people are turning in new. What, do, what exactly is going on here? You, you bought a website. It's called – it, or is this part of AdamCarolla.com? It's just AdamCarolla.com. Okay, yeah. and you, you, you hit – so then you're basically the – over the overhead for this operation is a soundboard and some microphones. <clears throat> and it's all run into a computer and uploaded. Yeah, but it's uh, it's about two grand a month because we use up so much bandwidth. Band, bandwidth is the expense. And uh, originally it was like – well, the bandwidth is going to be like 200 bucks a month, mm. and we – originally estimated by Mike Chaffee, our computer nerd, I guess he didn't think I was very popular because <laughs> he was like, I got you enough bandwidth for a month and we use it up in a day. And so the, the bandwidth, <clears throat> if you don't have it, it will, your site will crash. I don't know other than the more you use, the more it costs, and it 2.4 million downloads last week, that's a lot. So we have to, it costs a couple of grand. Do we have banner ads or any stream of, no. of income at this point? This no. is this is merely you taking the energy from your last show and keeping it going yes. in other form. Yes, and I, I appreciate you actually doing this interview because I haven't really got into all these de- details. But it probably costs me, a, you know, oh, oh, then I got to pay my. It probably costs me about twenty five hundred bucks or maybe even three grand a month to run this at this point. And you're doing it how many days a week? Five days a week. For how many hours? Well, we do about an hour a day, about 50 minutes but an you, hour a day. But you have the option of not doing that and making $3,000 a month or 2500 bucks a month. You're, you're spending money to take your time and basically keep your listeners invested in listening to you on a regular basis. Yeah, it probably I, – I pay Mike Chaffee about 350 bucks a week. So, you know, times four weeks, he kind of works on it part-time. Uh, Donnie's pro bono because he's got all his shit in my warehouse and a ca- apparently a couple gallons of his spunk as well. And, uh, you know, the equipment and the bandwidth and all that stuff. Yeah, it's probably, it, it, it could be over three grand a month. I don't know exactly. We're still looking into how much everything costs, but it's not, it's not free. 
But am I correct in that this is this is really? I mean, because you got the sitcom in the works. Right. You're obviously a guy who gets offers to host other other bullshit that you may not enjoy doing as much, but it's still work you don't have to pay for and be responsible for. What makes you do it every day? I really love this form of communication. It's the same reason I did Loveline. I did Loveline for 11 years. I needed to do Loveline, the radio show, for probably about two years or less. I mean, I don't want to sound cocky, but I did the same thing Jimmy was doing. We were at K-Rock together. At a certain point, Jimmy got Win Ben Stein's money, and I got Loveline on MTV, and then we did The Man Show, and then we did Crank Anchors. And at a certain point, Jimmy did what normal people do, which is they go, look, I'm running a show all day long. Mm. I can't. I'm not going to do radio anymore. His circumstances were a little bit different than mine, but... I did Loveline for 11 years, and I was gainfully employed doing multiple TV shows during that entire time. Don't get me wrong. I didn't do it for free. I'll, I'll take the money, but I didn't need the paycheck. Yeah. I did it because we were left alone. We sat in a building. I got to talk to people, especially Dr. Drew, but people I thought were interesting. I got to talk to callers. We got to communicate. And we got to express ourselves, and we got to explore ideas. And I thought, this is really interesting and really cool, and the reason I got into it. Now, I didn't get into it to be in a soap opera. I didn't get into it to read a teleprompter. I didn't get into it to do a sitcom where a whole bunch of guys from Harvard and Yale wrote me a bunch of shit, and I just memorized it and went out and regurgitated it on a Friday night. I got into it to do what we're doing right now. So... This is in in my nature. Now, I also believe that if you do do what you love to do and what you eventually get good at, there'll be a paycheck at some point. I mean, I'm a firm believer in, look, you do a good job. You keep going. You give the people what they want. You 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 know you. You'll get overpaid later, and you average that with when you were losing money or break or or doing it for free. I I tell people all the time when they go, Jesus Christ, you're getting. 10 grand or 25 grand or Taco Bell's giving you 100 grand for an afternoon's work. I, Dude, that's awesome. I go, yeah, except for there were 10 years when it cost me to do it. Like, I'm being paid back for those years. And you you. didn't know the Taco Bell ad would ever happen. And and you also, you know, the more important thing is that it takes a certain level of whether it's uh, self-delusion or real confidence to keep you going and when you're making no money, you're getting rejection after rejection, and, you, and you're constantly, as a comedian, I'm sure it's similar, you know, for every, every dollar I made, 50 cents of it was going back into, you know, whether it was uh, maintaining a car to get to gigs or making headshots or videotapes, you know, you're <coughs> constantly reinvesting in this overall belief that there's going to be a payoff later that will right. make it worth it. Well, I, I must say this. I was actually thinking about it, and uh, I'll be honest. The the response has been overwhelming. We've been number one on iTunes in the podcast department, obviously, for going into our second week now. Wow. And I mean it's crazy. You got Barack Obama's fireside chat and you know, NPR. But you're not getting a dime from iTunes. No. Don't get a dime from iTunes. But we're number one on iTunes and the response has been so overwhelming that I've been completely motivated by the response. If a couple of thousand people yeah. or a couple of hundred people had been trickling in, mm. and I'd said to Mike Chaffee, how did we do yesterday? And he said, ah, yeah, we did all right. You had 1,800 people yeah. tune in. 
I would think to myself, hey, you know what? Why don't we skip Thursday and just uh, yeah. we'll do three days a week? But when I talk to Mike Chaffee and he goes, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're you're near four hundred. 400,000 downloads on today's podcast, then all of a sudden I'm immediately motivated yeah. again. And also I do a... So it's a combination. I'm not Mother Teresa. Yeah. I want to get paid for this one day. I would do it for free, but this ain't for free. This costs me three grand a month. Well, what's the point. possibilities <clears throat> of a podcast short of being bought by a radio station and distributed? Is there like a uh, any track record of somebody taking a podcast and turning it in like real revenue? Yes, there is sponsorship, and that's a real, you know, that's a reality that becomes more and more in focus as the months wear on. I yeah. think I think people, companies are turning away from maybe traditional TV and radio and focusing a little more on the internet. And as you know, internet advertising has gone from zero to quite a bit in the last, let's just say, five years or ten yeah. years. So the sponsorship is a real tangible way to do it. I still have this fantasy about subscriptions. Nice. And I like it. everyone, you know, it's always funny because when you talk to people and you're like, look, <clears throat> I did almost two and a half million downloads last week. If somebody would just pay me Ten cents. Three cents. Three cents. Three cents a download. I'd be rich. Exactly. And it'd be awesome. And And they're guaranteeing. They're safeguarding themselves from an ad about something that's going to make them nuts. You don't want to hear about Dane Cook's movie when you're listening to the Adam Carolla show. You want to hear Adam Carolla. You want to hear him talk the way he wants to talk. Right. You will never hear cunt with the Quiznos banner above us. Uh, That's number one. The thing that's always insulting is when I'm talking to people about it and I go, look, if someone had given me a nickel a download last week, I would have made 200K. And they go, a nickel? Who's going to pay a nickel? Ah! <laughs> it's always like, thanks, douchebag. Just said a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that much, does it? But uh, yeah, that comes well, up every time. Well, the problem is to get that nickel the way things are now would cost you a dollar fifty in service fees to PayPal and you know, middlemen in the electronics business world. Like, how do you get the pure nickel without busting any balls? I I don't know. Of all, here's what I've been told by the experts. But again, the experts. First off, the experts were in high school six years ago. Yeah. So there's no real experts in this business. You're the expert. You're the one with the show. Well, thank you, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that I know anything either. People, if everyone has told me, look, the second you start charging for something that was free, everyone goes away. Mm. And my intuition is, if we can build a dedicated enough crowd, and we can give them what they want. And we can t- tell them the reality of the situation, which is, look, e- either Quiznos or Subway or somebody's going to have to step up and mm. start supporting this because I can't spend $3,000 a month and yeah. get nothing in return. Or you guys can spend three cents a podcast. I feel like they would. Yeah. Now, like I said, all the experts say 80% of the people are going to drop off. My feeling is let's get it up to 2 million people and let half of them drop off. And we'll keep it going. You know what? It's The other thing is, I mean, Hitler never charged. Mm. You just motivate people, and it's amazing what you can get done. We're beating him on iTunes, by the way, right Nice. Now. Yeah. Good for you. His weekly dress is just above Bill Maher. 
Well, he was a f- more of a physical act. Yeah, he doesn't translate well. <laughs> but if you, but the thing is, like, if you were to do a public appearance, like, see, since you're not a comedian, like the people that are, a lot of people that work in radio do it for no money. A lot of comedians will be contributors to certain <coughs> big radio shows because then right. they can go out on the road and capitalize on it. Right. You don't really have merch. Right. Or a, live appearances or a book to promote. Right. So, w- w- but by keeping your fans connected to you, then, you know, eventually, yeah, it just becomes a matter of, say, your sitcom gets picked up. Well, what network? When they're on the bubble between you and one of the Baldwin brothers, right? they're going to go with the guy that can mobilize two million people that he's been talking to every day. Take that, Daniel. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, it doesn't hurt. And if I ever write a book, it's great. And if I ever do a public appearance, it's great, except for I don't do any of that shit. So. And thank you for not. Yes, thank you for for, for bringing that up. I don't need to go up. to the improv on tap and hear Corolla sold that every night last week. Uh, it I'm wasn't funny. Way too lazy for that. But yes, I'm I'm glad you've asked these questions. I wish I had some answers. And th- the thing that's great about it, this this is is I do feel like we're sort of on the vanguard here. I mm. do feel uh, like we're sort of pioneers. Not that we invented it, but that we're going to figure out. As we move along, how this is going to work, how it can work, and we'll, uh, uh, I, I will, it will be a democracy. I mean, I will put it to a vote. Hopefully, we'll do it in a way that everyone has agreed, here's what we want, and that's what we'll do. Well, and it's coming from the owner of the content. That's the key, is that, you know, for so long, bands were taking their music and they were, um, you know, Hollywood's an ATM machine. It, it, it comes up to a comedian or a singer and they say, Here's a hundred bucks, you know, and the singer goes, "Oh my God, I've been broke for so long. This is great, you know, a hundred thousand bucks." And then they go out and they sell your stuff until they make the hundred thousand back plus a million, and right. then they start giving you a buck a week. And instead, it's like all of a sudden bands started going, "Wait a minute, we can actually, you know, like the Black Crows were recording their shows and then selling them to fans on the way out. They had eighteen wheelers filled with." DVD burners, and they could really? literally crank out thousands of show, of D- DVD CDs of the show, and sell them for not a lot. You know, they were selling them for what less than what you pay for a CD in a store. Right. And they were keeping all the money. And then people started to say, "Yeah, but the records, the record companies have distribution." Well, what's distribution? Well, you know, they get it to the stores, but the stores are all closing, and eighty percent of music is now bought online. Right. Well, but they can do online <laughs> advertising. How? Well, they'll get you listed on uh, this site and that site. Well, that site just called me last week. They want to interview me. They want to talk to me. Right. What's the record executive doing that I can't do? And so suddenly, you know, you're you're having the artist and uh, become the producer, and you're having the fan actually the main beneficiary because they're getting content for less money and they're and they're getting it easier. And there's no jack-off program director telling the artist what's funny. Yeah. And there's no FCC, in this case, telling the artist what he can and can't say. Yeah. And so what you have is win-win. You have the audience get a pure version of what the artist intended, and you have the artist get the lion's share of the revenue from them. You just have to. I just have to figure out a way to rape I mean, extort, I mean, get (laughs) money from those people. No, but the truth is what you're talking about, you know, when you look at the the pie slices and what what the person who – I mean, as as what you're doing right here is very similar to stand-up in the sense that you think of it, you produce it, you say it, done. Product is done. 
Right. It's not like you then send it off to be processed at the factory. There's no more overhead other than what your your thoughts and your presentation of them. So now it's a matter of how to how to build a, an income from it because you don't need for every dollar that people had to spend to get that content, they can spend three cents now. Yeah, and also and you're making the same. My feeling is. Without the big building in the middle of Wilshire Boulevard and the other big buildings in New York City and all the executives and all the salespeople and all the, the parking lot attendant and the security guard, with, with all those things in place, the CD costs 15 bucks a pop. If you got rid of all that, you could probably sell it for 250 a CD. And my feeling is the same with this. If I had a huge overhead, I'd tell everyone, hey, it's a buck a show, and they'd go, fuck off. Now, I can go, it's four cents a show, mm-hmm. and they can go, all right, yep. that doesn't sound like much. Anyway, it's ongoing, and I'll, I appreciate you asking the questions, and uh, I have no answers other than a gut feeling. Well, that's where it all starts. This is, there's a hesitation now between you having the product and people buying it and you actually getting paid. But uh, it, it's a matter of time until that's figured out, and then there'll be, there'll be this golden age of uh, freedom. Yeah, and and look, I I got to be honest, everyone. I'm not doing this for the money. It's just eventually, <laughs> I'm going to need to be compensated because I need it. Right now, it's costing me thirty something thousand dollars a year, and that's uh, by the way before taxes. Uh, after it's probably, probably I have to make fifty. <laughs> it's five, all on the website. To make hey, fifty five grand to do this. I've been show. doing a, a radio show at my house for three hundred fifty bucks a week for two and a half years, and. Uh, I wouldn't stop. I would. I would, there's nothing that would make me stop doing it. You know, I think people that people that are uh, that love what they do. You know, the, the the worst kept secret is that we would do it for free. Uh, I've said it. Uh, I've I said to my program director when I was at K Rock, I don't need to get rich doing this. Hmm. I don't need to get paid anything to do this, and I really don't need to get rich doing it. But I don't need to get you rich. Yeah. By me doing it, so. Whatever my cut is, that's my cut. If that makes me rich, so be it. But what I can't have is you getting rich mm. and me not getting anything. Yeah. If neither one of us gets paid, I'll still do it. Yeah. All right. Greg Fitzsimmons, everyone. Fitzdog.com is where you go for all the information. And Greg, how about we have you be a regular here because uh, I really like the cut of your jib. I love it. I'll come back anytime. So and i got to say that it's the longest podcast so far at an hour and uh, – 15 minutes. Jeez. Doug Benson can suck it. New record. So, until next time, this is Adam Carolla for my buddy the Wheeze and Greg Fitzsimmons saying mahalo. All right, that's Greg Fitzsimmons on episode 12. Hope you guys enjoyed today's Corolla Classics. Make sure to tune in tomorrow to the Corolla Classics feed for episodes 13, 14, and 15. We definitely have a theme. Until next time, mahalo and get it on. <laughs> <laughs>